Coming up on this episode of the podcast Under the Stairs, this is part two of Baz v Leatherface, which means I'm joined by the Baz. Let's get this shit done. Oh my god, this will take us halfway through the franchise, Baz. Are you feeling sexy? Are you feeling sexy? I'm indeed, and I've heard these films are amazing. <laughs> let's hope we, let's hope they don't let you down. I mean, what can people expect on this show? Well, they can expect sexy rednecks. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad, to hear, uh, they, I'm they, glad they, that you agree. <laughs> they can also expect uh, enema stories. Uh, that's the honestly that story breaks me. Um, me and Baz have a debate about who we would do. And the, the man category with the name Sawyer, which I'll be honest with you, is, is the most homoerotic story uh, or conversation we've ever had in the show. And if you do not get a boner while we're talking about it, then you are dead inside. Yeah, it's, it's wildly <laughs> homosexual. <laughs> as, a, as, as is the meme. <laughs> yeah, which is the greatest meme ever. There's effeminate leather face. There is Ken Faree. There is so much weird and wonderful nonsensical add-on family members to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre but before we can get into that Baz this is year four and do you know what that means? What does that mean? It's year four motherfuckers and this time it's war. Warning the podcast under the stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast under the stairs. News of a bizarre chainsaw-wielding family. Reports which were to ignite the world's imagination began to filter out of central Texas. Regrettably, not one of the family members was ever apprehended, and for more than ten years, nothing further was heard. Then, over the next several years, at least two minor yet apparently related incidents were reported. Then again, nothing. For five long years, silence. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Baz V Horror, episode number 33. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Episode number 33 and Baz V Horror sees us continue the journey into the wacky world of the Sawyer family as we plow headlong into part two of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Upon this episode, we will be looking at Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 4, The Next Generation. That's a Star Trek joke. I know half my listeners have switched off, but they'll switch back on when I introduce the man of the hour. He is... The man that's taking on the challenge of the TCM 
franchise. He is rounding off the big four. He is none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the Baz. Hola, my sexy little, who the fuck are all these people and where did they come from, bitches? <laughs> Which we're going to be seeing on both movies. Hell yeah. <laughs> both in this episode, yeah, because we're just, we're just like new characters, Baz, new characters. Uh, Have some you new told co- me that, Duncan. I did, I you warned told you. You that in the last one, I didn't quite believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Bad <Yeah>. Baz. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing all right, mate. I'm doing a lot better than you. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I can walk. Yeah, I, I, I can walk assisted. <laughs> and was it you told me that you were walking just before we came on here, Duncan? Uh, what, sorry? I was you described how you were walking just oh, before we came oh, on thanks, here. Thanks, Baz. This was a bit that I hope we weren't recording. Yeah, I'm currently walking like I've shot myself. <laughs> and why is that, Duncan? Because I ran a marathon yesterday. <laughs> Did you sick son of a bitch? <laughs> 26.2 miles. Woofta! Yeah, 20, 26.2 cripplingly painful miles. Um, in that I was doing well. I, I, I genuinely felt amazing. Um, the route was phenomenal, even though it was so hilly. Like, see, when we stop recording, I'm going to send you like a, a Google Street View image of the hill that I had to run up, and it was like, as the uh, it's the sort of thing that would break any human being. <laughs> you know, make them want to cry a little bit when they see it. Just fucking horrible. But yeah, I I, I was doing really well. Um, ran through uh, Dune. That's not Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a completely different, much yeah. later, much more boring Dune. Yeah, there's no spice in in, in Dune. Uh, so, so ran through there, and as the and everywhere we ran through, there was people littering the streets, just like cheering on the crowds and all the rest. And I got into this habit; it became my thing, by as my shtick of running through towns. And as soon as I saw the crowds, I started like clapping above my head to get them to get them pumped up because I'm a, you know I'm a showman. I have a podcast. Um, next year I'm when a I do it, internet celebrity, I'll have you know. <laughs> next next time I do it, podcast under the stairs, running vest up. I'm gonna get one made up. Hell's yeah. Yeah, every race from now on, podcast. I'm gonna constantly sell that shit. Um, but yeah, so like started like clapping my hands over my head, and I got through doing it, and like you would cringe at this. This is like the cringiest cringe thing ever. So as we're running out of like, and, and when I've just about to say this, I just. Started thinking about something I should have done, which we made me. What I should have done is, as I was running at the Thames, I should have said, Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Podcasts <laughs> under the stairs. Leave us a review. Um, but what I started doing was, um, I started shouting out the name of the town we'd ran through, and I added the words, You've been beautiful. So, like, Down, you've been beautiful! That's oh, on to Dumblane. Dumblane, you've been fucking beautiful! <laughs> On a bridge of Allen. <laughs> like, just like, like a total knobhead. Um, <laughs> and then I got 18 miles into it and a recurring calf injury that I've been desperately trying to fight for about the last two months. That was the point where it decided that, oh, fuck Duncan. You know what I mean? You've already went past the halfway mark. You're feeling good. How about this, motherfucker? Um, so, yeah, I, uh, the calf injury kind of kicked in pretty bad. And I think I've got a minor tear in my calf. But it basically forced me to grind out the last eight miles with a combination of kind of hobbled jogging and walking. 
uh, which was probably the most painful thing that's ever happened because your legs by then just feel like slabs of concrete your feet are numb and you're basically like gimp walking is the way I describe it uh, towards the finish line and the course was designed in such a way to torture you mentally so you actually when you get to Stirling you have to lap Stirling twice so you essentially pass the finish line three times so like you're Wait, there what's the finishing line just to interest uh, the finishing line was down where I work alright right okay and the, yeah. the big field yeah. uh, pretty much the big field opposite um, so oh, I, I know yeah where Armed Forces Day was held a couple of years ago look right up you can see the castle um, but yeah you had to basically lap the finishing line like <laughs> wait three times uh, before you could properly cross it which is just psychological torture it's that just, is a bit perverse I've got it's, to it's say it's a running equivalent of waterboarding um, yeah. so like I just just horrible but yeah I crossed it um, I, was, I was going to tell you a funny story actually um, like what I've realised is see if you go to run a marathon you, you have no sense of kind of personal shame like no one has like people will literally run off to the side of the road while they're you know running a marathon and go for a piss Um, and they don't hide the fact that they're running to the side of the road to go for a piss but before we started you know everyone you can see people all using the toilets we starts in the uh, Blair Drummond Safari Park Mm-hmm. So, like, people are all running to hedges, bushes, and all the rest. And, of course, before, like, I was maybe five minutes from running, I was like, I need a piss. Right, there's a big tree over there. I'm going to, that is Duncan's piss tree. So, made a beeline for this tree. Just started to get myself in position for a pee. And a guy comes up and starts pissing beside me. Baz, there's about seven or eight trees right around me. Yeah. No one pissing on them. Fucking wronging. Why is What's he pissing beside me? Absolute fucking wronging. He just like what? What? And it wasn't even like he was that far away. He what? He walked up like almost shoulder to shoulder away, and then just not like not for a bit of a chat or anything like that. Yeah. Just up to take a piss right beside me to make That's... me feel uncomfortable as fuck. That is just terrible urinal etiquette. It really is. I was fucking appalled. I was just like, really, dude, really. Um, you know, that was horrendous. Uh, the, the second thing that was horrendous is I saw three people full-blown vom, like vomit, mm-hmm. like exorcist-style fucking projectile. Because all you're doing is really drinking loads of water while you're running. Just yeah. full-blown vom. And I'm fairly sure at one point someone that was running in front of me had shot himself. Yeah. The Their, their um, red shorts had what can only be described as a kind of purplish tint on the back, which I think is a combination of red and brown. I think it gives yeah. you a kind of purpley colour and it looked wet. Yeah. There's not quite a famous uh, video of, was it Liz McCollion or something? One of yeah. the famous Scottish female long distance runners shitting herself during I, it. I, I don't think it's Liz McCollion. What was her name? Uh, Ra- uh, Radcliffe? Was it Paula Radcliffe? It was, was Paula, it? Yeah, Paula Radcliffe shot herself. Yeah. Liz McCollion was actually running the Stirling Marathon. Well, oh, was she? Aye, uh, she was there. Uh, with Zola Bud as well. Fuck off, seriously? The two of them ran it. Zola Bud, there's a blast for the 80s, eh? Yeah, Zola Bud finished in the top 10 of women running that. And that's saying a lot considering she's, like, I think she's, I think she retired from being an athlete many moons ago. Um, But yeah. She ran in barefoot. Well, this is what everyone kept asking. I don't think you wouldn't want to run barefoot through the the rap lock, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, no, shoes were on. Just run really fast through the rap lock. (laughs) So well, hopefully in a car. That's a that's a that's a Scotland joke if ever there was one, because eh? no yeah. one else will get that unless you live in Scotland. But yeah, so I, I survived, and my treat for surviving 
uh, Baz, was uh, sitting down to the first movie we're going to discuss tonight. That's what they call a segue. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I said at the start, we're doing the next two installments of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Now, like I've said on the previous show, uh, we split them into sensible chapters. Yep. So I like to call this um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Wonder Years um, <laughs> because <laughs> like, we, we go, the, like, these movies are very, very loosely if anything related to the original two movies, which you could argue the second one is very loosely related to the first one. Um, yeah. Kind of cast members aside. Um, but yeah, we've got a few bits of business to, to bring up at the, the beginning here. Um, I may have incorrectly stated, Baz, that the brother from the second movie was the father in the first movie. Now, I would have put Cold Hard Cash down. Yeah, that was what I had kind of thought and you said yeah I think that was kind of the case yeah I, I vaguely remember a documentary a Texas Chainsaw Massacre documentary somewhere out there that said that there was an inconsistency between part one and part two with that character being essentially father in part one and brother in part two but mm. our eagle-eyed viewers and listeners um, on the Facebook group page have rightly informed me I've done a bit of internet research since that he is quote unquote the brother in the first movie as well it's just never really stated can, yeah stated as yeah. such um, so I will I will secede that point to our gracious listeners the one I will not secede is David Anders Jr trying to fucking make a play on Ric Flair here right if I'm going to segue some sort of WWE joke in here to piss off Baz and get one of the greatest sound bites in podcasts under the stairs history cut this man off while he's doing his fucking Sean Connery impression and have him to the point where he says he'll come through and fuck me up. If I'm going to have that, no one is then going to start saying, well, actually, Ric Flair did that promo in WCW. Now, David Anders Jr., he doesn't speak like that. doesn't speak like that. <laughs> but I will, I, will, I will bash forward the point that if Ric Flair released a greatest... Well, if, sorry. The company that owns Ric Flair released a greatest, you know, Ric Flair moments of all time, it would be WWE that would put out because WCW was bought by WWE, so it's their property. So suck my fat, veiny cock, David Anders Jr. Suck it long, suck it hard, gargle that bitch. Also, I love you, and I'm looking forward to my Devour the Podcast appearance. They're back. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, Baz. I did see something about it. I you read, you heard on the grapevine, the podcast grapevine. Uh, I think it was on the group page or something. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you shard! I just had this idea that you're like you're like that guy from Game of Thrones, where your little your little spies come and tell you things. Oh, Varys! Yeah, your little spies come up and tell you. Word is that you know, devour the podcast is back. Um, so yeah, that's a terrible Varys. That's fucking phenomenal. You need to do far more episodes in that persona. That was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're back, and at the end of their episode, they said they wanted to try and move heaven and earth to get a Baz appearance on their podcast. Oh, did they? Yeah, they want they want the Baz <laughs> on that show. I'm just going to say, if the money's right, I'd be willing to rent out Baz as his <laughs> podcast pimp. Um, pimp that fine ass. <laughs> to, like, pimping ain't easy, Baz. Ain't easy. <laughs> um, so the one thing I've learned since podcasting with Baz is my pimp slap is, is bitching. Like, Don't you speak back to me, Baz. <laughs> Um, so I, yeah. um, I'm very flattered by that I don't know where they think I've got the fucking time to appear on another show I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it's like they almost don't know that you, 
you're doing a franchise and you have an infant child. Yeah, I mean, I have to have a teenage child and an infant child. Mm -hmm. um, a job. We <laughs> last work. But my sonic fucking <laughs> dedications are it. So, oh, God, it's never fucking ending. What you're saying is never you have plenty fun. of time, Baz. Oh, loads of it. Absolutely. It was great to see them come back, though. And, um, yeah, I, I believe I am making an appearance very soon on that show because, you know. How I'm long a, have they been away? A year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Was up the um, I think it was more time commitments uh, th than anything else. Um, oh, you're being there, brother. Yeah, I think it was more uh, more time commitments and trying to get because they're not like me and you, Baz. They're not like two guys in the same time zone who nah. will move heaven and earth to record together. They're yes. in three different time zones. One of which is quite a drastic difference. You know, David lives out in San Francisco, so he's a good few hours um, another direction for them. And the fact that Jamie has about five podcasts and Bo has about three um, doesn't doesn't make it easy for podcasting. So they've moved their schedule to monthly. So do one a month now, which is probably sensible. Because yes. we're yeah. trying to do the quarterly thing, and that's a bad idea. Because they never did any. So, like, that's when you know a podcast doesn't work really well on the time scale that you have when you've actually not done any for a year. Unless you're doing yearly podcasts, in which you're doing it fine. Yeah. I would, uh, I'd also like just to chip in here that I have a wife. Um, <laughs> Did she text you? Yes. <laughs> what about a wife? You have a wife? Exclamation mark. You've mentioned everyone and every hobby and missed me out. Four exclamation marks. <laughs> that my sweet is because you have no drain on my time every waking second with you is a pleasure there you go that ladies and gentlemen that ladies and gentlemen is why the Baz is the best that's a motherfucking save <laughs> that's a save that's a, that's a fucking hashtag Baz save so uh, yeah if you want if you want your hashtag Baz save then go to the Teapots uh, Twitter account and then pose your impossible question and how you'd answer it with the hashtag, member tag, Teapotscast, with hashtag BazSave. And the Baz will tweet you back with what he would tell you to say in that situation. Now, bear yeah, in mind... Yeah, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that in all the free time I've just been talking about. Bear, bear in mind that the Baz only has 140 characters to play with. He will not tweet over two tweets. One tweet only. So, <laughs> so yeah. We'll see, let's see how many of them you'll get. You will get none, Baz. You will get none. You'll get Myron. I'm, I'm, Myron will send about seven. I'm just glad that fucking Baz's basement thing's finally died a death. Uh, whenever you say it out loud on the show, that's when it comes back. It is the fucking kiss of death, actually, isn't it? Yeah, you, you should have just left that one. I don't even know why I keep putting it at the bottom of the episodes. Like, every episode, there's a bit... If you want to submit a question to Baz's basement, please email... And no one, no one does that. No, one no does. it was pretty much fucked the time I answered the very first question. Told him to wear a horsehair butt plug. Yeah, that set the tone. I really did set the tone. And, and <laughs> so it's hard to top that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then people were like, "That nah, I don't want to ask a question now. <laughs> I just wanted, I just wanted to ask him if he had any, you know, advice about investment banking. And you know, I'm scared of what I get back. Invest all your money in dildos. Yeah. <laughs> Shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, <laughs> oh fuck. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to just before we kick in, start doing our first movie review of this yeah. episode, is to thank every single motherfucker out there that literally crippled my my phone, my Facebook, 
and SoundCloud that we store the show on, Baz v the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 1 was what can only be described as an internet phenomenon. <laughs> a juggernaut, a beast of an episode, and currently, this will be the fourth day it's been live, it's currently sitting at 400 downloads. Which may In seem like a tr- yeah, which may seem like a trivial thing, but that means a hundred people in the world, every single day for the past four days, have downloaded and listened to that episode, which <laughs> is fucking nuts. Like actually nuts, and the memes, dear God, the memes, Dern, Dern, the memes. What the fuck? I was like, my phone yeah. was like, my battery drains really quick on my phone. When Instagram's going mental, Twitter's going mental, and Darren is tagging me in every single post that has ever been posted on the internet. Yeah, it was. I'm going to Friday. It was a bit mental. I will apologise. I didn't chip an awful lot. I had some personal stuff that I was dealing with on Friday, uh-huh. um, and I, I came back from it all to about 148 Facebook alerts yeah. and fucking tweets and stuff like that and I just didn't have to I have looked at them all and they're all hilarious and I tried to chuck you a like as much as possible but I maybe didn't respond as much as I normally would have but I did have other stuff going on that day um, I wasn't expecting you to drop the show when you did yeah well I got kind of got... massive prick tease well I, I did a lot I did a Thursday Thursday and and Myron and crew were basically rabid for a bit of the bars and then I thought if I drop it then while well, I'm recovering from whatever trauma I might have after my marathon, I don't have to think about a show. So I dropped early. And um, I'm just going to say, it went mental. And you're talking about the Facebook notifications. Literally, and then not even any joke, every hour I was lifting my phone to about 50, 60 Facebook notifications. Like, <laughs> almost every hour. When my phone was constantly lit up all day at work, pretty much all night, into the following day, and I, I, I was smiling ear to ear. I'm complaining about it because I had to fucking charge my phone during the day, which I don't like doing because uh, I can't listen to my music because iPhones are gay that way. Um, but yeah, it's um, it was insane. So you guys have, have literally broke the internet and I've got a feeling because of the nature of these two movies, this one's going to do better. <laughs> <laughs> this one's this one's got legs, Baz. This one's got legs. Um, so before we kick off, once again, as always at the start, anything else you want to say before we tackle Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three? Uh, other than why are you making me do this? No. <laughs> <laughs> you chose the franchise, and that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our first break of the show. You're going to hear promos for shows that we love. You're also going to hear the trailer for Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3 from 1990. Myself and the Baz will be coming right back to discuss that movie right after this. Hi, I'm Joe Parker, and I'd like to invite you to check out my show, The Hybrid Moments Podcast. I'm just an average guy with a slew of interests, and the podcast is an extension of that. The theme of the show varies episode by episode, but some of the topics I cover include horror, music, comics, just about anything but politics. So if you like a little variety in your life, come on by and check out the show. You can find me on iTunes or Stitcher or check out the website, thehybridmomentspodcast.com. You can also join the group on Facebook at The Hybrid Moments Podcast in the group section. Feel free to mingle, leave feedback, or suggestions for future shows. That's The Hybrid Moments Podcast with Joe Parker. Tune in to see what I cover next. 
Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark. If you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcasts via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Some tales are told, then soon forgotten. But a legend is forever. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Now, from the producers of A Nightmare on Elm Street, the real terror begins November 3rd. And welcome back. So, this is our first movie review. You just heard the trailer for it. This is Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3 from 1990, directed by Jeff Barr. Now, Baz, funny story about Jeff Barr in this movie. Do you want to hear it? Is it actually funny? It is kind of funny and will make you maybe laugh. Okay then, hit me up. Right, Jeff Barr was originally brought on to direct this movie and then was fired very quickly. Is he any relation to Clive Burr, original drummer with Iron Maiden? No. See, that would have been funny. Would it? (laughs) It'd have been humorous and interesting. (laughs) Well, this one might be. This one might tickle you a bit more. So, a couple of days. Carry on. A couple of days into the shoot, Jeff Barr is fired studio are like you are not making this movie we will get another director to do it and literally every director they asked said no <laughs> so then the studio went back and said excuse me Jeff Barr remember how we fired you go and come back <laughs> seriously like, yeah literally the only guy they could get to direct this movie no one would touch it I don't know who that is more humiliating for <laughs> the fact that he went <laughs> back to do it yeah I grow a backbone mate tell me go and get fucked do you know what I mean good <laughs> God above <laughs> Jeff Barr. Uh, so it's, it's directed by by oh god, directed by Jeff Barr, based on the characters created by Tom Cooper and Kim Henkel, uh, and written screenplay written by David uh, G. Show, and the, the cast of characters: Katie Hodge, Ken Faree of Rob Zombie fame, um, R. A. Milanoff, William Butler. Big Vigo's in this. He is indeed. Vigo Mortensen, uh, Joe Unger, Tom Everett, Miriam Bird Netherly, Jennifer Banco, David Cloud, other folks are in the movie. Synopsis short and sweet on IMDb. It's one line and one line only. And it says a California couple and a survivalist 
encounter Leatherface and his family. Which is right to the point and correct. That is indeed. It's exactly. Exactly. I would have probably put extended family, but that's <laughs> just been fucking pedantic, really. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, Baz. Uh, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, so uh, this movie is obviously the sequel to the 1986 Toe Pooper Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which, Baz, we were we, we kind of closed out on that last show with you being on one hand saying the Texas Chainsaw Massacre phenomenal movie yes. this movie is the best single entry to kick off a franchise I've ever seen yep um, we'd watch this movie again in a second you know yep. just like the praise was high and then you went to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and basically did the anti-review of that um, you know, I will never yeah. watch this movie again. This is a single worst second entry in ten. It's <laughs> just like the exact fucking opposite. Um, so, so you're now switching into this one, which comes four years after the previous one, and obviously carries that great grand tradition of completely following thematically, uh, stylistically, and in complete cohesive storytelling from the previous movie obviously oh obviously obviously now you sat down to watch this movie it's a nice short movie it's an hour and twenty long it's a breeze flies by let the ladies and gentlemen out there in Teapot's land which is the name of our new country we're starting uh, in Teapot's land let them know what you made of the third instalment Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre part three Sell a shell Duncan Um. I just noticed there, Doc Nailer, on that you said uh, you're calling this show Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What was it? The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years, yep. Or as I'd like to call this film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the H2O Years. <laughs> I'm, draw- I'm drawing parallels between my fucking franchises now, Doc. You're, you're just saying that they're retconning stuff here, is that what you're saying? Just buckle up, because things are about to get fucking serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, my wife took the baby away the other day. I'm like, I'm going to watch this fucking. I'm on a roll here because I'd only just finished the second one mm-hmm. because we recorded that one fairly quick, smart after I watched it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd only been a day or two, and I was in the groove, and I plunged headlong into this one, Leatherface, which I believe is to be the name of the new one that's coming out at the end of this year. Yeah, just not to confuse um, anyone. Can't. <laughs> Um, yeah, this one, uh, again, not dabbling in Blu-rays or anything like that, I've only the first one was a Blu-ray. So this one's a DVD. When I fired the DVD into my uh, budget range Argos DVD player, um, <laughs> I found out that it contains both versions of the film. There is an uncut and a cut version of this movie, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had my choice. I'm hardcore big man, I went uncut. Baz don't do things by half. <laughs> I then noticed. Oh, God. So I fired the uncut version. I thought if I, if I turned around on this show and go like, yes, I just watched the cut version, <laughs> there'd be a fucking riot, let's be honest. I believe one of our listeners put forward the bold claim. Very similar. Actually, this is a lot like um, Halloween Part 6 in that respect. That one of our listeners said that the only way to experience this movie is to watch the uncut version because it's the better version. 
makes it makes more sense type idea. I think so. I think it's the, the, the studio did a hatchet job on some of the gore um, and yeah. the uncut version fixes that. Yeah. I like to think they've been given the option of I'll always go for the uncut version because if you're cutting stuff out, it's a lesser fucking product at the end of the day as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Anyway, talking of making a lesser product, I noticed that this film is made by New Line Cinema. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, obviously, I, I know they did all the Freddy films, is that right? Yeah, the house that Freddy built. Yep. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting because neither of the previous two had been. Obviously, the first one was a very low-budget independent movie when it initially came out kind of thing. I hadn't noticed... Oh, no, wait a minute. Was it Canon, did you say, did... Yep, Canon did the movie. second yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, but when this one came up, New Line, I was like, holy shit. It's that way where, like... If they don't make certain movies within certain times, the the rights to franchises pass on. So that was the the big thing behind that last Hellraiser movie that came out. Yeah, was I remember this, you telling me about that. job yeah. because the cinema was going to lose rights, and by making yeah. that movie, they extend it for a certain period of time. Either I would imagine that New Line acquired the the rights to the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Yeah. Um, the movie itself, it starts with the scrolling text as it has done in all the others. So we're getting a Star Wars-esque kind of fucking theme going here in terms of our opening credits. It's slightly lacking the dramatic jo- um There's no John Carpenter, he's a director. Who's the fucking guy that does the music in Star Wars? Oh, uh, uh, Williams. Isn't it John Williams? John Williams. Yeah. I don't know. I it's probably that. not that, and everyone will go fucking mental and start I telling me that I don't know. I don't. I don't even care. I'm happy to do my second can of fucking Thatcher's gold. Um, Thatcher's man, aren't you? Um, well, it's because our local fucking supermarché has stopped stopping Citra for some reason. That's because it's by Stella Artois, and everyone knows that you drink that, you end up hurting the ones you love. I know, but it's lovely stuff, though, Duncan. <laughs> As to be said. And I'm surprised fucking any supermarket in Scotland sells in with Thatcher on the fucking front here. But anyway. Um, <laughs> I like your joke there. The closet Tory. Um, right, so we anyway, got scrolling text, right? Interestingly, Sally has now lost her double-barreled name that she acquired in the second movie to segue fucking... What's his face into the whole fucking experience? <laughs> yeah, it's like the first thing that comes up on the screen. You must have been like, no. I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> anyway. So she's gone back to her fucking maiden name or whatever else she's done. <laughs> um, it talks about one of the clan going to trial, a W.E. Sawyer. So is that the cook, possibly? I don't, once again, I don't know. We'll just say, we'll just say that is likely it was the cook. It was definitely not chopped up. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure our hyper vigilant listeners will will hit the Facebook group when this is released and, and tell us. Um, and it then says that it was believed that the character of Leatherface was actually an alternate identity of this W.E. Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, that basically he would put on this mask that he'd fashioned from human skin, and the minute that went on, he became this character of Leatherface. Of course, we know that not to be true. Yep. We then get the cast listings come up, and as you say, big Vigo Mortensen is in this one. Him of Lord of the Rings fame. Yeah, and other, other stuff, but let's face it, he's always that fucking... What was his name in that? 
A oh. memory shot to shit, man. It's the cider. Uh, Aragon? Is it Aragon? Something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I don't even know why I asked you, Duncan. He's he's more recently he's been he's more he's been linked to he's done a lot of work with David Cronenberg since Lord of the Rings, like History of yeah. Violence. He's done Promises. Now that History of Violence. Are you telling me that that was a David Cronenberg film? Because oh, I kind yes. of enjoyed that. Don't fucking talk as if you're surprised by that. You've seen one Cronenberg. You've seen two Cronenberg movies, actually. You told me you'd seen The Fly before, and you liked it. Yeah, it was alright. Right. So of the of the two Cronenberg movies you've seen, you only disliked. Well, yeah, you like. You thought Videodrome was alright. That's just. Well, I like the stomach vag. <laughs> <laughs> and the monkey gun fist. It was alright. Yeah, well, he's yeah, he did. Um, he went through a spell. He's not. He doesn't really do horror anymore. He's he's kind of moved away from that body horror stuff and all the rest. Um, and his last like four or five movies have not been in that range. But he did a history of violence and Eastern Promises, like a couple of years apart, both starring Vigo, both in the kind of kind of tense thriller sort of thing. You'd love both those movies. Incidentally, Eastern Promises is on Netflix. Get it watched. It's a fucking great movie. I think that uh, History of Violence was actually based on a graphic novel. Is, is that right? Yep, yeah. indeed. I, yeah. I did thoroughly enjoy that film, actually, when I watched the baby. Vigo's all amazing that, All that well. aside, yeah. I'd say Vigo finger me he's a good-looking man. <laughs> he doesn't um, look inbred at all in this movie. He does not. He is a fine-looking <laughs> man. There's no generations of inbreeding in your fucking history at all. You're a chiseled Adonis Vigo. <laughs> and I... How the fuck did she manage to squeeze out you and then oh, like face? <laughs> Behave yourself, son. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're about to be plucked from obscurity to become a world-famous catwalk model at any minute here, Vigo Mortensen. Do you know what I mean? Shut up and bread. Fuck off. Right, anyway. Right, so we've had Lord of the Rings, right? I'm now going to take you into Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Because basically over the opening credits, we see Leatherface. He's in his workshop and he's making a wee dead skin mask. Just mm-hmm. kind of a bit like the remake from Friday the 30th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, where you see him making his wee glove thing. Oh, so it is. Nice pass. But oh. there is somebody watching at the window. There's a wee female outside. It's Gilly from Game of Thrones. Is it? Oh, but it looks like her. Oh. <laughs> it's not actually. Like I, say, I, see, I see how you're confused now, actually. I don't actually mean it's that same actress. Yeah, she was I, in the skins, do you mind that? Yeah, I was about to say, like, the timing must have been really fucking... She's ageing well? Yeah, surprisingly well. No, I just mean it's the character of Gilly from Game of Thrones mm. outside the, the damn good wash. Yeah. And Leatherface hears her because she stands on a twig or some fucking thing like that. And uh, he, he heads out to look for her. And then inexplicably it cuts away for that and you're left thinking, WTF. Yeah, you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, we've seen Leatherface now, it won't be another half an hour in this movie until I see him again. <laughs> so, no, I'm sorry, I'm too late, sorry. I've, I've literally just watched it before we started recording and some things jumped out at me that I had forgotten all about. Baz, this is your review. I'm shutting Spice. up. <laughs> I'm shutting up. Uh, the movie itself opens with a young couple who surprisingly I managed to get their names within the first couple of minutes. Normally I'm about three quarters of the way through a film <laughs> before I think, oh, right, so she's called Michelle. You have to go back through right. and change all your notes. 
See, uh, not not huge tits. Here they are. So okay then. <laughs> huge tits. Here they are. <laughs> <laughs> first thing that came to my head. Um, they're called Ryan and Michelle at this point. Kinda disturbingly, Ryan looks frighteningly similar to me in 1994. There's a picture posted recently of you with a crowd of your friends, and yes. you look scarily like him. Yep. And while I only started wearing glasses in the last 12 months, I did, I did have a fucking pair. I can't believe I'm saying this live on the fucking internet. Love it. Um, do you remember uh, A Different World? Yes. A sitcom that was originally a spin-off from the Cosby series. Yes, I do, yeah. Do you remember Dwayne Wayne? Oh, yes, Baz. Do you remember Dwayne Wayne's glasses? Oh, no, Baz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I wore them in Scotland. <laughs> so you could probably imagine the sunglasses bit actually only ever came down, but three, four times in the eight years that I wore those things for. <laughs> this was another thing about the Baz and his 90s fashions, late 80s, early 90s fashions. I wore them far longer than was acceptable. My cup's haircut lasted far too long. Chesney Hawks was a distant fucking memory by the time I cut that monstrosity off. Uh, As were my Dwayne Wayne glasses. Now... Had, I, had that picture had me spoken them, I'm a dead ringer for Ryan, although I'm much less of a cunt, it has oh, to be said. Oh, man. Uh, Ryan and oh. Michelle, are, they're driving to Florida for one last vacation before she moves abroad. I can only assume that Ryan's just desperate to see her vagina as much as possible. <laughs> Do you think it's he's been friend-zoned? Yeah, he has been, really. And uh, this is not going to play out, Ryan. <laughs> You've made a terrible, terrible mistake here, sir. Uh, as they're driving, we get a radio report about the discovery of a mass grave, which is kind of oddly reminiscent of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's then a comment about Ryan's hair being frighteningly similar to mine at that time. Um, <laughs> as Basically, this radio report says, you know, don't go near the area, there's traffic jams, because they're pulling everybody over, blah, blah, blah. They end up having to get pulled over anyway, though. Uh, they get questioned by a very aggressive policeman. Um, it tells them just to fucking move on, not to stop for anything. Bet you wish you'd fucking listen to him now, Ryan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene where a forensic team, they're digging up the bodies, and the bodies are all kind of putrefying, and Ryan, the prick, makes lengthy conversation about the decomposition process and I've written here I'm assuming this will come into things later on it does not <laughs> it has no bearing on anything <laughs> these films they trick me all the time Duncan belluring me in with a fucking incessant detail on something that's cock shitting all to do with the rest of the fucking movie can't see me now, but I'm flipping the double bird at my laptop. It's <laughs> then an unnecessary scene with a dead armadillo. Oh, this one did not have a sharp penis. <laughs> it did, it's still not doing that fucking well, I tell you that. <laughs> its anus was tore off. <laughs> that was lying about half a mile down the highway. Still twitching. <laughs> 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 
They turn up at a gas station that we've been here before. This one is what man, but what I can only describe as a one-eyed potential rapist. <laughs> potential <laughs> question mark. <laughs> well, at this point, he's only potential. He's not actually come out right. We're then treated to the sight of Cowboy Vigo Mortensen, mm-hmm. who's trying to catch a lift. He tells them about a quicker road to take. At this point, I trusted Vigo. I have to say, <laughs> chiselled Nordic good looks had sucked me in, and to be quite frank, I'd have let him suck me off. <laughs> and um, I'm like that. He he could be the hero. Hopefully, Ryan dies. <laughs> And Vigo saves the lovely Michelle. <laughs> See how that pans out shortly. Yeah. Uh, but at the moment, that was the working theory of the Baz. Um, yeah, Vigo then ends up fighting with, with the potential one-eyed rapist uh, because he catches a peeping on Michelle in the toilets. Yeah. Presumably with his one good eye. Toilet pervert. Uh, but, uns- but surprisingly rather... Unlike most one-eyed toilet perverts, this one's got a temper on him and comes out with a shotgun, basically. Chases them off, shoots out the back window of their car and then apparently shoots Vigo Mortensen. At which point, the hapless Ryan uses the term dusted him. Yes. Even on your best fucking day, Ryan. (laughs) Right. Even... With a haircut, untucking your shirt, and decent trainers, you could not pull off the phrase, he just dusted him. (laughs) Okay. You weren't in Nam. I don't even think you were in fucking Grenada. And I had a friend that was in Grenada, and there was only like four of them. Okay. Fuck up, Ryan. <laughs> more, more to the point. How many water podcasts can name drop the smallest military operation in American military history? Other than the podcast Under the Stairs. The other than the podcast Under the Stairs and the examination of Grenada. Yeah. <laughs> Fiel, uh, field, America, field, yeah. field American Intervention Podcast. Um, I mean, Jerry was there. The slagging we take out. Like, what did you do, Jerry? Did you sit in front of a fucking deck chair in front of you? <laughs> like, with your gun in your lap? I've taken this fucking island for the United States of America. Is this the one that basically has told you that he single-handedly took the the beach? Is, is that was how how was it? They basically said he single he pretty much intimated to you that if it was not for him. Um, you know, it would have been a doomed mission. Although, possibly, was it not a doomed mission? Gayhear's eldest brother. Oh, right. Uh, it's Mark's eldest brother. Um, it, it, I slag off all their military achievements, and it's terrible because I was never in the military. His dad, as well, his dad was in Nam. Oh, fuck. His, his dad, incidentally, is Jerry Sr. Fuck off, Jerry. You were in a fucking boat about 80 miles off the coast. It's not like you were in the fucking boonies, Jerry. Okay? You were in a hammock well outside the fucking demilitarised zone. Shut up, Jerry. 
my god, you, you, I, I, there's, there's, I'm just going to say, ladies and gents out there, while Bass is saying that only the podcast under the stairs would drop like a Grenada reference, and while talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, I will say that no podcast in the history of podcasts will find a way to spew so much vitriol at a, like a non-character like the podcast under the stairs. Like, Bazzy's vitriol knows no bounds. He will, he will literally destroy like any character that remotely pisses him off. And that's what I love about doing these shows, Baz, is just to see how, like, I, like, I'd already, I already forgot what he looks like and I only watched the movie like about an hour and a half ago. Um, he's just a non-entity in this movie, but you're like, I, this non-entity is getting the Baz treatment. He's getting a heart. Who are we talking about? Ryan? Yeah, Ryan. Oh, can't do man. <laughs> oh, there's no can't do man. Can't do man. Brace yourself, Ryan, because I'm about to fucking unleash <laughs> my fucking vitriol jizz <laughs> all over your manky wee round glasses, sir. <laughs> I hope you brought a dry cloth. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shabby with them. I don't even know. I've learned completely lost in my fucking notes. Where are we? Right, yeah, so right, uh-huh, right. There is a point to this, though. Right? Oh, right. So Ryan uses the term dusted him. Mm-hmm. Ryan should have been shot for using the term dusted him. Can't Talking of shooting show. him, how come when the crazy one eyed potential rapist bursts out his thing with a shotgun, right? Mm-hmm. They are four feet away in a car that they can't get started. 15 minutes later, they manage to start this car and then drive off. The whole time, one eye is leaping about, waving his wee shotgun, and then decides when they're 50 yards down the road, I'm going to take a pot shot at the back window. Do you want me to answer that question? Are you being rhetorical? He killed them all there in his own forecourt. But that's the end of the movie. (laughs) Well, well, why include it then? I think, but I think the. my, My. they like to play games. They like to hunt. It's all part of the hunt. So they like everything you see. Like the and almost all of these movies, maybe minus the first one to an extent, but in fact, definitely it's good in the first one. But all the other movies have this idea of them toying with their prey. You know, this idea of setting up this falsehoods where you think characters might be one thing, but they're revealed to be something else. Um, and so it's, it's like sexy role play. It kind of like yeah. Minus the the sexy and and a lot of kind of rednecks. Um, too late, too late. The Baz is on board. <laughs> but yeah, they, it's this idea of they they really do like to. It's their way of kind of. It's like a line later on in the movie where um, Ken Free's character says, "You know what? You know why are you doing this? Or what? What? You know why? Why won't you just let us go or something?" And Vigo says, "It's because we like to. You know, we're hunters. We like to hunt." And yeah. it's it's this idea of the. It's not just it's not just good enough to shoot them there and then. It's to like it's to kind of just toy with our prey. Um, I, but I'm totally on board with you. It's like at this point I'd be like, why is he doing that? And it, you kind of pass it off because the guy's got one eye and he's a bit fucking crazy, and he's maybe yeah. still sexually aroused from the peeping that he did like a couple of minutes ago. Um, maybe the blood's rushed somewhere else. You know what I mean? You could be right. You yeah, could be right. But, be feeling slightly faint. But why? You know why would he? Why? Well, no, I can't say that because that spoils something you'll see later on. But I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. But anyway, yeah. So they drive off. Um, yeah, and they, they drive off. Minus the rear windscreen, and the chiselled Vigo Mortensen is apparently shot. Shot. 
Somebody, however, then goes after them in a monster truck, mm-hmm. um, which is adorned with fucking animal pelts, etc. And I, I can't remember what I've written here, but it's definitely not the one-eyed lunatic from the gas station. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know who it is. We find out shortly, but for some reason I knew at this point it wasn't him. Um, but rather creatively, he manages to force them off the road by throwing a dead dog at their windshield. Yeah. Which I found oddly humorous, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, I laugh far too much at that, but I'm not a dog owner. <laughs> uh, I imagine you found it slightly less funny. Yeah, if the dog... It reminded me of that stick. fucking game that the, the Afghans played with, like, dead Russian soldiers. I think they showed it in, in Rambo 3. Yeah. Well, I think they used to play with sheep, dead sheep, and then, because the Russians turned up, they played it with dead Russian soldiers. I'd imagine they do it with dead American soldiers nowadays. Um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that, but with less dead soldiers and sheep and more dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of go off the road and puncture a tyre, just as they manage to get it fixed. Lo and behold, Leatherface turns up, He's sporting a leg brace in this, which is kind of new. Eh, uh, yes. And I don't think it references anything that happened to him before. I don't remember him breaking a leg. Mm, no, there's not any... Oh, am I thinking of the remake? But this is what happens when you start watching franchises, you start getting your details. Uh, he doesn't injure his cell at the end of the first movie. No, he's dancing about in the middle of the street with his fucking chainsaw, happy as Larry. Right, so... Well, I don't know why. But look, like, I, all like I'm going to say is... A sailor's hornpipe. <laughs> <laughs> Leg braces are in, Baz. Oh, badly so, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like, yeah but look, like you say he arrives, and once again, I just want to reiterate, 30 minutes into the movie. It's not I if... had not realised it was that far in, and for, for an 80-minute fucking film, that is quite far in. Well, especially when you see him right at the start. Uh, yeah, yeah. He attacks their car, but they manage to knock him down and they drive off. Mm-hmm. Um, as they race off, an injured Vigo Mortensen appears in the road, mm-hmm. causing them to swerve and hit a Larry Fishburne-looking motherfucker. And that's directly out my notes. Larry <laughs> Fishburne-looking motherfucker in a Jeep. It's Ken right. Yeah. Is that right... What was he? Was he the brothel owner? Every fucking time we talk about this guy, I have to explain who he is. Yes, he's the brothel owner in Devil's Rejects. He's in Halloween where he plays the black guy who looks like Elvis that's taking a shit and watching porn. Mm. He's also the radio DJ guy from Lords of Salem. Oh, right, right, okay. Because Rob Zombie has a hard-on... Has a hard-on... For, for using characters that were in the movies he grew up watching and Ken Free yeah. was in a lot of movies exploitation movies from the 70s it just so happens that he also appears in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie which we know Baz for a fact Rob Zombie may have watched <laughs> so we've been told <laughs> so, allegedly um, the, right okay you made your point right, I remember him now I don't understand why it's taking four films for me to look realise that he's the spitting image of Larry Fishburne. But anyway, <laughs> well, he's younger here, so he's um, older than all the other movies you've seen. That he's younger here. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's true. Um, the gutless Ryan gets out the crashed car and wanders <laughs> off, 
and leaves it to Larry Fishburne, or Benny as he's actually called, to pull Michelle out the wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't believe that they've been chased at first, and then he kind of sees the, <laughs> the chainsaw marks on the car. Um, he turns out to be a survivalist, so that's always good for a laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives them fucking serious painkillers, which basically make them hallucinate and trip. Um, he agrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Take this thing, the main set doing over there. Um, <laughs> he agrees to go and look for Vigo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he gets back there, there's now. What's this character's name that we find with the, the tow truck? Right, he's one of the Sawyers as well, and I can never remember yeah. if he's Alfredo or Tinker. Right, okay, but anyway, it's one hand. But it appears to me at, at this point in the movie that his fake hand is a flamethrower, is that right? Kind of, he's got different attachments. Oh, does it? Right, okay, because he's called flamethrower hand all the way through my notes here. <laughs> he wears but a hook later on. He's got I a hook did, on Yeah, later. I did notice later on that it appeared not to be there, and then I did start to wonder... Didn't actually see you using it as a flamethrower. Was it just a very big cigarette lighter? <laughs> so anyway, maybe we'll just go on one hand. Anyway, I've written here that basically when he gets back to his, when Larry Fishburne gets back to his jeep, there's a one-handed redneck with a flamethrower hand waiting for him. Mm-hmm. He agrees to help Benny with his car, but Benny sees a chainsaw in the back of the truck puts two and two together, goes to get a gun to protect himself, crazy one-handed redneck tries to run him down. Uh, He's Tinker, he's Tinker Sawyer. Tinker Sawyer. He's Tinker, is he, right? Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. That is not clear at all. That's literally the first time I've heard that word used in connection with this film and only watched it two days (laughs) ago. (laughs) And Alfredo Sawyer is one eye. The, to the gas station. Yes, Alfredo Sawyer is one eye. So there you go. The the good the good old fashioned American redneck name of Alfredo. Yeah. And what's the chiseled Vigo, Vigo Mortensen called? <laughs> like, I'll just name them Alfredo. He's oh, he's Eddie. 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 Eddie, yeah. AKA Tex. Tex. Yeah, that's right. I mean, See, that's actually that. in my notes. You yeah. that. Um. Yeah. The. the uh, Aye, right, so Tinker tries to run Benny down, falls down the embankment, Leatherface attacks him, they fight. You've literally Let- skipped one of the funniest scenes in this movie. Is the fact that the survivalist needs to take like 40 minutes to load a gun. But, but he's already put like 20 bullets in it, which is enough, by the way, right, America, right? Like one bullet is enough to kill someone. You do not need to put 40 bullets into your gun before you can actually lift it up to shoot someone. He's like fumbling for about a minute, continually, and I'm like that, there's a guy, you obviously know the guy's straight, and you fucking put the clip in now. No, stop putting bullets in. Stop putting bullets in. What are you doing? Stop putting bullets in. He just keeps fucking trying to jam these bullets in. I don't like Ken Free's character because of that. Yeah, that's actually true. I haven't picked up on that at all, but you're quite right. I think they like to use that many bullets, though, because they do not like to shoot them so many times that their ancestors die as well. <laughs> Pretty sure that's in the Constitution somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the right to bear arms and so many bullets that the forefathers feel it. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like it. Oh, God. You fire that many bullets that temporal rift opens up. <laughs> People hundreds of years ago fucking drop dead. <laughs> um, okay, so he falls in an embankment. Yeah. Has a bit of a fight with Leatherface. And just as Leatherface is about to kill him, Gilly for Game of Thrones turns up, shouts at him, and Leatherface just fucks off and runs after her instead. Mm-hmm. You can only assume he's still got that weird kind of semi-horny thing going that we saw in the second film. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully there's a lot less pelvic thrusting in this movie. And for that for that alone, this film tops the second one, it has to be said. <laughs> um, <laughs> we Gilly circles back to Benny and they team up in what can only be described as the world's worst team up. So we've got L- Larry Fishburne for The Matrix and the fucking be Tinker Girl <laughs> Game of Thrones. Um, she's, she's really, really dramatised. It appears that she was attacked over a week ago along with her sister, um, who I think has died, or she's roaming about trying to find her or something like that. She appears to be a previous victim of the Sawyer clan who's managed to evade them. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gives Benny a lighter and goes to look for the others, and I thought, ooh, I bet that comes into this film later on, and this one actually does. Yay! Yay, Baz was right! <laughs> um, Benny finds that the woods are all booby-trapped and shit. The g- Gilly, the Game of Thrones end, is caught by Leatherface and killed, which was quite abrupt, and I wasn't really expecting. I thought she'd go on a bit longer than that. Now, I've written here, Leatherface looks and behaves far more like a standard slasher villain in this one. Nice. Very Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And it totally is. He's all of the subversion and kind of oddness of the first movie's gone. And even the kind of quirky stupidity of the second film is gone. And this is just a slasher villain now. It's a guy in a mask with a blade. Yeah. Really, at the end of the day. Um, and that is ripping out this movie from very early on, it's got to be said. Really, by about 15 minutes in, it's they've completely reinvented Leatherface now. Mm-hmm. Um, just as, you know, right, that lot of Michael Myers and that lot of Jason Voorhees and... We've got Freddy fucking Krueger, so let's get another one. Um, and they just kind of reinvent Leatherface as this silent killer in a mask type thing. Yeah, it's it's not even that though. Like there, there's a huge portion of this movie. A good like twenty minutes of this movie is set with Leatherface chasing them through the woods. Yes, which doesn't yeah, differentiate exactly. it from something like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, well, next like he chases Ryan and Michelle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's very... There's a, a, a kind of recipe I've got in my head of the various different films that this one reminds me of, and I will come to that towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he chases the two of them. Ryan gets his foot caught in a trap. Thank fuck. <laughs> and Leatherface kills him. Michelle manages to get away. No tears are shed. By Michelle. No, no tears are shed. Yeah. When you're, that's what happens when you're friend zone, Baz. Yeah, and, and she's probably going, I told you to cut your fucking hair. <laughs> you mm. would have seen that bear trap if your hair wasn't yeah. in your face. 
really high waisted jeans, mate. Get to <laughs> Tawdry Simon Cowell fucking ripoff. <laughs> um, <laughs> she finds a house. I wonder where this is going now. Oh. There's a wee girl in the house. She's got a kind of doll with a skull for a face, which is called Sally, which obviously is a fucking nod to the earlier movies. Mm-hmm. And the wee girl stabs on the leg. And lo and behold, the chiseled hero that is Viggo Mortensen bursts in and grabs her because it turns out he's a creepy inbred rapist like the fucking rest of them. Although he's very clearly not inbred. No. And he's not creepy because he's gorgeous. He's, he's luscious. Um, I'd love to hear the fucking fellas over at Screen Queens do this film. Because, <laughs> I mean, if I'm this horny for Vigo, those guys must lap this up. I d- I, we will maybe have to ask the question on the Facebook group page, on the hot scale, where does Vigo land for Patrick? I, I don't know yeah. what Patrick would think. We, we, need to, we should ask the question, though. I hadn't even thought about it. I'm now well, super curious. Here's the question we need to ask. Here's oh. the question we need to ask. Who would you rather do? All right. Ego Mortensen playing a Sawyer, mm-hmm. or Sawyer for Lost. Because oh, even I can't make my mind up now. No, you're, 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 you're messing with my brain here. Yeah. yeah. Don't know, I think, I think, what do I want? Do I want the, the let's, let's get deep with this, Baz, let's get deep. Do, do I, do I want? Elbow deep. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do, do I want the, the sometimes caring, but sometimes crazy, Vigo Sawyer? Yeah. Or do I want to be with a lovable rogue that will give me a different nickname every time he speaks to me? That's a tough choice. Yep. Yeah. I would love to be called Freckles. Yeah, well, <laughs> see, <laughs> that, that right there is why I would have to go with Sawyer for Lost. There you go. Because if I'm going to have to suck a dick, I am going to suck a dick that's been up Kate for Lost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to the gayest episode of the podcast Under the Stairs, literally ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that is the greatest single quote that I've ever heard on this show. And you just know that one in a meme. I was about to say, I was about to say, you just know of all the things that happens in this show, and this is the one that's gonna be most memed. Hell's yeah! Hell, put that out as a teaser meme, and and watch them scratch their heads at how (laughs) we ended up. I am totally show. Totally doing a meme. That's a teaser meme in the in the making right now. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. You work at that and I'll keep going with the review. You you keep telling us about it. We've just stopped reviewing this film now. (laughs) Just just playing out weird homosexual fantasies. Sexy homosexual fantasies. Sexy homosexual fantasies. (laughs) I don't want to wipe my chin. (laughs) 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 Uh, I can find out where I'm now. Right, yes, right. So, Vigo bursts in. The wee girl's just stabbed Michelle in the leg. Vigo bursts in, grabs her. He's all creepy and mental now. And uh, out in the woods, the wee crazy guy for the gas station is wandering about with a bag full of body bits. Mm-hmm. Which is odd. In the house, the once pleasant Vigo Mortensen is now nailing Michelle to a chair. But you want to clarify what nailing her in a chair means? 
Yeah, sorry. That's a fair point. <laughs> Especially with the way that I've taken this conversation. Yes, he's actually driving nails through our hands into the chair. It's kind of like a lazy Jesus crucifixion. <laughs> um, if you kind of secretly half wanted to bang Jesus. <laughs> We'd also see it. God, I hope my mother doesn't listen to this. God, I hope my mother's never listened to any of these. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the lazy Jesus. Oh, that's fucking amazing. Oh, man, I can't oh. We also see Ampo. He's looked better. But, uh, yeah, in, in he, fairness, he's been. Even for a man that is essentially a desiccated corpse, he's looked better in previous films. He's been at, he's been at death's door for the best part of two decades, Baz. Yeah, that is true. Uh, then, interestingly, a mother turns up. Yeah, Mama. Mama, sorry. Mama, who, let's be honest, we've never fucking seen before. In fairness, we never saw Viggo fucking Mortensen before either. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mother is in a wheelchair and rather amusingly has to use one of those voice boxes. Mm-hmm. I know cancer's not funny. But <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it then. Oh, I'm going to... <laughs> If there is one ray of sunshine to come out of it, it's those voice box things that you have to hold up to your throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, you just, it, it's funny. I don't fucking care what you say as it's funny. Oh, I don't know what you mean, Baz. <laughs> Was it chewing the fat that used to do a sketch with the two chain smokers in the house? With, was that used? He's a fag. Um, but listen, before him to get really offended, as is my one, uh, I would like to point out I lost my father to cancer, okay? So I say this with a fucking pinch of salt, okay? Mm. I do apologise. Please do not be offended if that horrible disease has affected your family. I do mean it. It's just my ridiculous sense of humour, and I should be in jail. Um, oh, that's, that's, oh, right, so we'll get more with the, the voice box. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, then Tinker, flamethrower hand, he turns up, he's got Ryan's body. Unfortunately, he's not quite dead. <laughs> Thankfully, they're going to sort that out fairly quickly. Yeah. The gag, Michelle. Uh, once again, as is the case in all these films, there's not enough fingering of the tied up victim. Um, gas station guy appears to be getting rid of bodies in the swamp, mm-hmm. but Ben sees them. Uh, Back at the house, Leatherface has turned up. Because apparently he's in this film. Yeah. Um, you, you would never have guessed, considering the movie's called Leatherface. Yeah, I know, but it's a fair point. He's actually in it far less than most of these other characters, certainly up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he turns up, though, and his family have bought him a new chainsaw. Oh, yeah. It, it's the one... <laughs> it's cheesy as fuck. It's, going. it's actually the one that's from the DVD cover. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, when I looked at the cover of this, like when I first bought all my DVDs a while ago there, I'm like, well, that can't actually be the one in the film. It is, like, actually <laughs> photographic likeness. That's absolutely the one. Um, 
flamethrower hand gives it to him, gives him the new thing, the new chainsaw, but then gives him into trouble for losing Benny. Leatherface takes no shit off him, it has to be said, and basically kind of tries to cram him into a furnace thing or burn his hand out. He tries, tries to burn his Walkman that he's found. I think Leatherface yes. brings back all these little trinkets and toys from the people that they've murdered and tinkers a bit of a dick and throws it into an oven which is apparently always on. Um, yes. Because you know, whenever I saw it, it was switch on, there didn't appear to be anything in there. Maybe they're using yeah. it as the primary heating source for the, the shack. I don't know. But um, he throws it well, in they there. Could just have been preheating the oven, Duncan. They could have been preheating. Uh, hey, if you're going to cook right using an oven, you should always preheat it. Exactly, sir. Always. Some exactly. people don't do it and then they wonder why the food's charred or it's not cooked right. It doesn't. You know, it says it takes 15 minutes, but it's been in for 18 minutes. Did you preheat your oven? No. That's no, why it's see. been in for an extra three. Get hey, you in the fucking sea, you <laughs> cunt. <laughs> but he throws it in there and, like you say, Leatherface. Like, I, I love these ideas of people like can bully Leatherface because I don't think Leatherface knows how big and strong he actually is. Until yeah. he loses his temper and then everyone feels it and he makes him not only bring the Walkman out of the oven, he doesn't let him use his hook hand. No, yeah, he actually puts, yeah. in, he puts in his wanking hand. Assuming he's, not using the, assuming he's but, not using the hook hand for that, but I would imagine that would be difficult. No, you use that for the other end. <laughs> yeah, um, you've got to fucking... <laughs> you've got to fucking wonder, though, what Tinker was thinking. Right, you've grown up with this hulking giant that wears dead people's faces as a mask. <laughs> you thought you'd give him a bit of shit. You're lucky that's all he did to you, sir. <laughs> anyway, out in the woods, survivalist Benny is going batshit. He basically, according to my notes here, he captures gas station guy, mm-hmm. knocks him into the swamp, and then makes it into the house. Inside, they're getting ready to kill Ryan. This crazy wee lassie fairlier on, who I have a sneaking suspicion is going to turn up in part four. This is Leatherface's daughter. As she's listed on IMDb. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that's actually my notes somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's not right. She wants to kill him. They've basically got this kind of sledgehammer pulley system, mm-hmm. and she does. She flicks the switch, and it, it crushes Ryan's skull. So finally, that prick's dead. Um, they kind of drain the blood into a cup. I think this is to keep the desiccated corpse of Grandpa alive. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a fucking weird conversation about cutting people's cocks off. Yeah. Uh, and cutting vaginas out and stuff like that. Any weirder than some of the stuff we've talked about in this show thus far? Oh, well, fair play. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I've, there's something weird about cutting vaginas out. Despite many of the comments I've made earlier in this show, yeah, I'm actually quite a fan of a genus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to change that. I'm going to qualify this because I don't want another text. I'm a big fan of one vagina. <laughs> <laughs> and I do not want your notes have lowered my tone. I'm not sure if she's in the next room or if she's going to bed yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got another can of Thatcher's gold. Right. <laughs> Oh, right. anyway. I was going to say, there's a you're talking about cutting off vaginas and stuff. Yeah. Um, there is a 
like a what, there was a period in the kind of early nine, uh, sorry late nineties early two thousands where there were kind of horror adaptations of serial killers real life like stories like dramatized versions of them uh, and yeah. there was one done for Ed Gein and the the thing that sticks out is probably one of the single most creepy things I would highly recommend Ed Gein one I thought it was a really good movie um, but the thing that totally freaked me out about that is there is a scene where he opens a drawer and there is a for lack of a better word a vagina that has been cut off um, but he's put a bowl on the top of it he's stuck like a bowl on the top of it and he opens the drawer and then kind of pats it and then closes the drawer and you see it and it's it's just one of those images that kind of stays with you after seeing a movie like just as something like everything else in that movie albeit disturbing was nowhere near as creepy or unsettling as this two second clip in that home it just freaked me out it, it unnerved me greatly so every time you you mention about these sort of things, Baz, that's what I picture in my head. And a shiver yes. runs up my back every single that's time. Right. You've literally ruined yourself, McLeish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just don't see why you would cut one out. Buy a fucking flashlight, Ed Gein. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know you were around 100 Alter- years before they were invented, but... I'll alternatively give Duncan a phone because he's got about five that his creepy mate kept buying him as a birthday present. I have binned my flashlight, Baz. Have you? Yeah, the, the gaffer yeah, tape you, wasn't you hard, it together. You, you can hardly give it to somebody else, can you? <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I'm not using this, do you want it? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, are we loan? God, you know what? Oh, I'm okay. It's been, it's, been, uh, it's been well used. It's worn by <laughs> you. Oh. Can I, can you want to try it? No. No, I don't. <laughs> no, no. Get away from me and don't call me again. Uh, yeah. That's true. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that before, but one of my ex friends for my for my thirtieth birthday party for my thirtieth birthday bought me a flashlight, and then that wasn't the creepy thing. The creepy thing was about eight months later after he bought another friend a creepy <laughs> a creepy flashlight, uh, then decided that he wanted to have a conversation casually one Sunday, comparing notes of how we used them. I don't speak yeah. to him anymore, Baz. No, no, I, I don't even like hearing that story, and I've heard that story yeah, before. Yeah, kind of creeps. It creeps me out more than the, the cut-off vagina in a drawer. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah. Anyway, once again, Duncan, we have segued down a tangent. Let's bring this motherfucker back on track. There's not much left in this movie. Bring it home, Baz. I don't know. I can't find where I'm in my notes, Duncan. <laughs> um, so... Right, right, so, right, uh-huh. Leatherface takes no shit. Uh, sledgehammer draining the, the blood. The weird conversation about cutting off the genitals. That's where we were. That's where right. we were. Leatherface is then just about to off Michelle with Benny open spire at last yeah. into the building. Well, those bullets he put in. So that's well, why he did bullet, it. Exactly. The mum gets shot. Tinker's ear gets shot off. Mm-hmm. Or... Tinker's swear gets shot off according to my fucking predictive <laughs> <Yeah>. text. Grandpa <laughs> gets shot, which, yeah, gra- let's be honest, finally just puts him out of his misery. I don't think Grandpa's going to be back in the next one, Baz. I don't know about no, you. No, that's right, because he does get shot right in the middle of the face, doesn't he? <laughs> um, Michelle then pulls her hands off the nails, and that actually was quite cool. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, a, a kind of horror trope quite well done it was quite graphic it was quite well acted the last year that plays Michelle so we'll give them props for that she tries to run 
takes her Viggo Mortensen, um, grabs her, but she gets away. Her and Benny leg it. The wee girl then turns, turns out the whole place is rigged with floodlights, and that psycho girl turns them all on. Yeah. Leatherface now comes after them in a truck, which we've not seen before. Um, he runs down Benny. And then for some inexplicable reason, Michelle goes from crying, sobbing victim into A-team-like badass at this point. Yeah, she's final girled up. Yeah, I know, but it's like somebody flicked a switch on the back of her head. I, th- do not all th- I think all the, the female characters that we've seen thus far in these movies go a bit crazy by the end of yeah, the movie. Yeah, yeah, but there is normally like this kind of epiphany. Yes, like, there's a gradual switch. Yeah. Asshole, do you know what I mean? That's having enough of this shit and she yeah. burns her brand and she was fucking mental. Mm-hmm. This one just seems to... I've changed my mind about this. I'm going to go mental now. I don't know. This didn't work for me. Yeah, she she kind of she kind of goes from being um, very kind of helpless to becoming like an Emily Pankhurst, like like really like in two seconds. Not yeah, Pankhurst. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, Leatherface chases her out of the woods. Uh, Benny tries to get up and go after her, but Tex attacks him. Mm-hmm. They fight. This is Viggo Mortensen, uh, who accidentally ends up soaked in petrol, which yeah. is never, never a good fucking move mm-hmm. in the middle of a fight, especially when the guy you're fighting has just been given a zippo lighter by the wee bird for Game of Thrones. <laughs> which he launches at him, and because it's a zippo, it doesn't blow it when he throws it, and it sets him alight, and Viggo Mortensen burns to charred sexy death does in the middle of a fucking yard. Charred sexy death. He does not abide by the strop, stop, drop, and roll. Uh, no, he doesn't. He no. doesn't. He just runs about screaming on fire. Which, which is a shame, because there's a lot of kind of sand about him, and that's what you need to do. Sand and duck, stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> every, every, every time, kids. Every time. <laughs> um, Michelle gets caught in a trap and ends up in the swamp. Leatherface is about to kill her. Lo and behold, Benny turns up. Mm-hmm. They fight. <laughs> and this is where this film lost me. While they're fighting, the chainsaw, the, the gold-plated chainsaw with the, the saw as family motif carved into the blade, buzzes about in the water like a shark and I get that it's got his engine going and all that but I really do not think it would have just popped up like a shark no that's not how gravity works yeah or chainsaws (laughs) or water right none of the constituent parts in this fucking scene work like they do in this scene so it doesn't abide by the laws of physics or mechanics, yeah. is what you're saying. Neither does the water. <laughs> or, <laughs> or nature. Else. The laws or of anything. nature, yeah. physics, or yeah. gravity. It's all gone out the fucking window. <laughs> it's probably caused by the temporal rift that was caused by <laughs> Benny's gun earlier on. When it shot at those people 300 years ago. Um... Leatherface finally pushes Benny onto the saw, which apparently kills him. Although when you think about it, if it's just buzzing about in water, even if you pushed onto it, it would sink. Mm-hmm. It might cut you a little bit, but probably not going to kill you. 
but he's not dead. Mm. Um, he grabs Michelle at this point, the uh, Leatherface does, and then she beats his brains in with a rock. He sinks into the swamp, and I'm assuming we see him getting revived at the bottom of the fucking swamp, like we did with Jason Voorhees <laughs> in part four or five or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. You're really good at that sound effect, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> the next day, um, Michelle limps up to a crossroads. Mm-hmm. Young Ralph Macchio is there with his <laughs> guitar. And he sells his soul to an aging black man. <laughs> um, then a gas, the gas station truck pulls up. Hey-ho, it's Benny, who's not died, and there's a minor abrasion on his head. Because it got pushed into the water, like you said, Baz. So they that fixed it. They fixed it. The <laughs> they fixed um, it. Just as they go to leave, though, the original owner of the van, gas station guy, attacks them. Him and Michelle fight. She shoots them. Her and Benny drive off, and then Leatherface's legs appear yep. in front of the camera right at the end. End credits. End. Boom! Boom. That's part three. Part three, That's Baz. Part three. The fucking bag, mate. This is this is new line written all over it. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I've written here. It's very much in the vein of Halloween H two O, and what I mean by that is, like, the kind of mid range Nightmare on Elm Street films still looked a little bit shit because it was still the eighties when they were getting churned out. That mm-hmm. this has the kind of gloss of the early nineties ones. Like uh, your Halloween H2Os and Resurrections and your fucking Screams and Urban Legends and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it looks more modern. But, uh, and I've written here the last 10 minutes of this movie could be transposed into any Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street film and you would not know the fucking difference. You want the link to Friday the 13th? Kane Hodder was the stunt coordinator. He was the stunt coordinator and actually in the trailer for this movie plays Leatherface. So is that right? Yeah, is it? So I didn't Kane Hodder has played technically he has played um Jason. He's played yeah. Freddy. Is he? Yeah, well he was the glove that came out to pull the mask down. Um and Oh uh, the Ghost, yes. the, uh, what do you call it thing was he played the hand uh-huh. that pulled him down. So technically he was Freddy. And he's also been Leatherface. Maybe he'll be in a Halloween movie. Oh, God, could you imagine? you imagine what fans would do if that happened? I know. Like, half of them would be like, this is the greatest day ever. The other half would be, this is abomination! The the other half would be hanging themselves. Yeah, Um, Yeah, my very next line is, it's interesting to note Kane Hodder's involvement. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not actually a slight on Kane Hodder at all. Um, But it's just funny because it's... It's the jump with this film... Yeah. And I'm written here, even the kind of quirky madness of part two has been substituted. It's just straight up slasher tropes now. Mm-hmm. I suppose the only real difference with this one is there's a kind of extended family of them. Yeah. It's not just about Leatherface. Um, and it's not been about Leatherface in the first two either. So that's, that's fair enough. And I suppose the people that were making these movies just thought, you know, the one thing we've got is we can continue to bring in these new characters like they've done in this. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it allows them to bring in new elements to it. I mean, Viggo Mortensen's character and Tinker as well 
are in this movie as much as Leatherface is. Of course they're not as iconic, they're not wearing a dead skin mask, do you know what I mean? They're not waving the chainsaw about. But they're in it just as much, if not more, than Leatherface's character is. Yeah. Um, I think that the, the last thing I've got to say, actually, is I, I think this movie would actually stand up quite well in comparison to the other slasher films of this time. Oh, right, so as right. of 1990 era, you think Yeah, it's kind of early 1990s, ones? it is certainly no worse than a lot of the other ones I've seen in the other three franchises. In general, it's quite good. The, the problem is the originality and uniqueness of the original mm-hmm. makes this just a fucking abomination. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, when you compare this to the first film in its franchise, it's fucking appalling. If you take this film on your own, you know, if you plonk down and this was the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre film you've ever saw, I would argue that you could enjoy this as much as any of the Halloweens, the Friday the 13th, or the Nightmare on Elm Street. It's a pretty decent slasher film. The problem is, it's so far evolved or devolved. Yeah from the first movie that it's it, it's not even in the same fucking universe as a show. Yeah, I think that's my my issue with it. I, I think I I think it's safe to say that I enjoyed the movie watching it for like I said to you just before we started recording, I watched it just before we recorded here. I had not seen this movie since the early two thousands. So you're talking easily yeah. over fifteen years ago since I've seen part three. And um I wasn't a fan of it then. Um, and I can say probably comfortably now that I'm not any more of a fan. There was a couple of things that I had forgotten about the movie, which coming back to it, um, I kind of thought to myself, you know, this it feels maybe not as like I remember watching it like early two thousands and just not liking the movie. I thought it, it wasn't very good. Um, I thought as a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, especially about that time having seen the kind of uncut version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it would have been about the, you know, about the same time period and just being blown away by how great that movie stood up in the time period and all those things. Um, watching part three then, you know, I, I instantly took a dislike to it. Uh, I didn't have the nostalgia that I had for watching part two, which I'd seen much earlier on. Um, but the the big issue for me watching part three this time around was that whereas part one for me is this you know this amazing exercise in psychological terror like almost unparalleled by any movie that's ever been made in my personal opinion I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre stands head and shoulders above pretty much any horror movie in terms of what it does for what you get Um Part two, I really enjoy because it's like, we're not going to top that, so we're just going to go crazy and goofy and 80s with it, and it's so over the top and grandiose and so ridiculous that I can get on board with it. I can get on board with the fun of it. Part three, to me, is just painfully bland. It is exactly, yeah. It's exactly what you said. It is a paint-by-number slasher movie. Granted, for 1990, a lot of those franchises were getting far goofier you know, if anything, they were more akin to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 than they were to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. And 3 has a, a more kind of serious side to it. I think there are there are moments of a really interesting story 
in here when Leatherface is finally on screen. There's a scene where they send him back to play with his computer. Um, yeah, oh god, the speaking spell thing. Yeah, and all he can type in is food. Food, yeah, and I get it. It's a picture of a clown, it's a person, you think it's food. Right, yeah. we all get you're a fucking cannibal Leatherface, uh, yeah, shut but, up. But there's, no, there's part of that that... There's part of that on some level which is really interesting to me is this idea of that's all he knows mm-hmm. that's all that character knows you know what I mean he doesn't have he's, he's obsessed with small trinkets which mean the world to him he saw obviously means the world to him and you know and, and that's that you know he can't read he can't write all he can type is food and there's something like weirdly sympathetic in my eyes looking at that is a weird detail that they put in this movie which is totally different from everything else in this movie it kind of almost tries to make you feel sorry like Leatherface is this tragic character and on some level it kind of works but to fully work you need to underpin that throughout the whole movie which you don't do there is criminally not enough Leatherface in this movie yeah don't understand lacking. don't understand why we get an opening scene with him then we have to wait 30 minutes for him to come back and then we get a bit of him running around in the woods and then we're going to... Like, it's like you've noted here, it really does focus on the family. And mm-hmm. it's maybe what differentiates it from most of the of the movies, the horror kind of franchise movies, is this idea that, you know, we'll, we'll focus on this kind of creepy... And it kind of, if anything, it takes its lead from not only the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but the Hills Have Eyes, this idea of, you know... If you're going to do a movie about, and even something like Wrong Turn, which we will eventually get onto, which I've no doubt in my mind you're going to fucking love that movie. Um, mm. But what, what they do is they kind of focus on the family element, which is cool, kind of, mm. but if you're just going to kill off family members and then just give us new family members between all the movies, I don't see why we should be interested in that because they become disposable characters. They become like the characters are hunting. Yeah. You know, we're wholly expect most of them not to survive. Um which is kind of like this movie was horribly cut like horribly horribly cut even that uncut version I don't necessarily think is the original treatment um, the movie was according to IMDb facts was submitted 11 times to the board of classifications and on each submission more stuff was cut out um, and like they've noted some of these scenes are considered basically lost forever um, you know we'll never see the light of day you know they just yeah. like hacked away at it which is not a surprise in 1998 America was very much a different place um, you would have been fully into the whole Tipper Gore sort of parental advisory yeah, thing yeah, yeah it, would, it would have been like full on at this time period um, the original ending in the movie isn't technically the ending of the movie it was reshot uh, Ken Free's character actually died in the original cut of this movie well the original version of this movie yeah, see, I was I was quite surprised that both him and the girl survived. Yeah, it turns out when they did the test screening, um, people really liked his character, so they actually got a different, like they re-edited it in such a way, and you know brought him back for additional scenes to bring him back at the end. Right, right. You know, to and I I'm no qualms with it it doesn't annoy me at all but his character is literally useless at the end of this movie he, he's only there to drive the vehicle up so this guy can get out and attack her um, yeah. and for his character must be immortal because not only does he like face down like a, a, a vicious kind of beating with Viggo Mortensen in this movie um, as well as being cut in a leg which at first looks like it gives him a hobble that's gone um, 
but then you know goes toe to toe with Leatherface um, is left apparently dead and drowned um, to return to be hit in the back with what looks like a giant fucking mallet which does nothing to him because he gets back up and gets back in the vehicle um, you know it's still, and you might think I'm being overly critical because I have said on this show that there are certain horror movies that I like that are equally preposterous I don't know Texas Chainsaw Massacre just has this it's almost like it has its own rating system for me because that first one is so important and feels so grounded yeah. and so real. I think that's what it is, that first movie, even as far-fetched as it is, there's a, there's a kind of a realism about it which is inherently unnerving. I think by the time we reach the third movie, the third movie is basically trying to, to bring it back to a more serious kind of film. That's why it pretty much retcons out all of part two. Like, part two mm-hmm. doesn't exist in this world because... Yeah. Part two is a goofy movie, and we want to make it serious again. And you can do that, right? That's fine. That's like you said, Halloween H two O. That's what they try and do. It just to me doesn't all come together. It is it is a movie which I think has a lot of potential, but never really lives up to any of the potential by essentially being what is a very bland entry um, in the franchise. I think out of all the, this is the one where I think you could have done. Or you could have achieved a lot more in this movie, and we'll never know if that was achieved in the original cuts. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there are bits I like. I think Viggo Mortensen's really good in this. I like Ken Frey's character. Um, I like what's her face, the main the main chick. Uh, what, what was her name again? Forgot her name. Uh, Michelle. Michelle. I thought she was really good. Uh, like you could not give less of a fuck about Ryan as a character. But I thought so. Even the family, to an extent, are all memorable. You know what I mean? Um, Alfredo is a memorable character. He's very, very quirky, very out there. Um, Tinker is a memorable character. So, like the family unit is all, on some level, well formed. Even though most of them are kind of two dimensional characters. I just, I don't know. I like coming back to it. I, I like it probably more than I did the first time I watched it. But I would be hard pushed to say that I like this movie. I, I just mm-hmm. I found myself for an hour and twenty minutes. I kind of just kept thinking to myself, why is Leatherface not doing more? I, you know, there's there's long bits of dialogue in this movie between characters lost in woods or driving a vehicle where I'm like that. Let's move. Let's you know, hour and twenty. You have no time to slow down. That's how you pad it an hour and forty. Like an hour and twenty, you get the shit rolling, and I don't think this movie moves quick enough. And when it yeah. does move, it just doesn't move in a way which feels satisfying to me. Yeah, it's, it's quite funny actually. I, I I noticed that there was a lot more involvement with the other members. There was a lot more focus on the other members of the family. I hadn't actually really realised how little Leatherface is in it until you pointed it out. Yeah, it's it's not that he's not in it much, but you think about other movies. You think about Friday the 13th by now. Like, Jason, five minutes into this movie, you've seen Jason, um, and you're not going to have to wait 20 minutes until you see Jason again. Jason will be back yeah. on the screen. Yeah, yeah. S- same with Nightmare on Elm Street, same with Halloween. Once you've revealed your monster in that first movie, the, the, the suspense of revealing him is gone at that point. So you mm-hmm. need to start introducing that character more. I don't want to spend time... Even though I think Viggo Mortensen, like I say, is really good. I want to spend extended scenes with him and Crazy One Eye 
and you know all these things give me like this movie is called Leatherface you have a, a mission statement on the front of this cover you have Leatherface yeah that's true the, the cover of this movie is Leatherface holding a saw right it does say the saw's family on it but it's, it's Leatherface holding a saw it's not Leatherface surrounded by his family members like it was on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 poster this movie is called Leatherface Mm-hmm. Give me Leatherface. Why? Why is he not on the screen more? Why is he not? When you think about it, how many characters does Leatherface actually kill in this movie? Yeah, about three. Three. Yeah, don't know about that. Yeah, two or three tops. Um, which is low for for a, a movie. For either. a fucking ninety slasher movie. Yeah, it's very very low. Cast of characters is very small as well, um, which is not yeah, necessarily a bad thing. But yeah. Literally. The other thing is the, the the tagline on my copy is he puts the teeth in terror, which I can only assume references the teeth on the chainsaw. Yeah, but it's pretty fucking tenuous. Yeah, he's that just... might have been all right for that film. Teeth, <laughs> you know, the the teeth in the family, but come on, <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, it's a it's a movie which. They obviously, I, I get the feeling, I don't know the ins and outs, but I get the feeling that New Line probably acquired the rights and did, like you say, a New Line version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You get a slasher. That's exactly what it is, man. Yeah, and I, I, I don't disagree with that. That's exactly how it feels. Um, so, in terms of, it seems like you're more positive about the movie than I was. Did you like this one? It's, it's like what I say, Dunk. I don't actually mind this. Had this been the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre film I ever saw, I would have probably quite dug it, to be quite truthful. Mm-hmm. I j- As a slasher film, and of the time that it was made, I think it's pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Where it falls down is, it's the third in a series of films that started with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and when you look at it that way, it's fucking dug shite. Yeah, it's, it's almost... It, it's almost... 20 years on from that first movie. Yeah. Yeah, and it's insane. 20 times more shite. Yeah, yeah. There is a huge drop-off in quality. Like like I say, take it on its own. It's a standalone slasher movie. It's pretty good, I think. Mm. You know, for for its time and all that. Uh, It's just... You started off with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and three films... Two films later, this is with you. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Now, before we go to the break, uh, like the last episode was a shambles. I don't know why 400 plus people have downloaded it because not only did I forget to do the cast listing in the first movie, but I also forgot to assign you a grade at the end of both reviews. I actually realised that and I thought maybe you're just not doing that now because I'm so fucking good at this. No, 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 no. You have not graduated overall. You've at least... <laughs> I think in theory... If you get through this year, about halfway through next year, we can stop assigning grades, and you can officially be like a, like a qualified horror fan. But at the moment, that's the you know we're still a while off that. But I did okay. leave you grades in the show notes, so I gave you an A plus for both it, both reviews because okay. you were thoroughly entertaining. You didn't really miss anything. I would hard push to disagree, even though, like I said at the time, mean you have different opinions on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 yeah, ultimately uh-huh. what you said I can't disagree with because you're spot on it's just yeah. I, I overlook that and enjoy the goofiness while you're like that I don't get the goofiness why did we go here 
as the second movie. Once again, cannot argue mm-hmm. with that. As pertains to this one, I need to give you a grade. And once again, I'd be hard pushed not to give you an A+. This actually might be my favourite review thus far. Weird tangents and all. Um, I've learned so much more about you, Baz. On this episode. <laughs> so much more. Um, I feel that we've bonded and we're closer together. Um, it will be interesting to see. I am making no joke about this. Anyone that's tuning in to check out these shows, if I was to ask them what movie they were most excited about, to hear you review in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, every single one of them would say part four of the next generation. Yes, they've already been saying that on fucking Facebook. It's going to be amazing. It's, I think it's actually going to top this one in terms of enjoyment. Um, maybe not for the movie, but certainly for the review. Um, part four for me is my Halloween resurrection. Right? Yeah. It's a horrible, horrible movie. I think it's funny as fuck. Um, let's see if the Baz let's see if the Baz thinks the same ladies and gents we're going to take our second break of the show when we return after promos for shows that we love and the trailer for Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation we're going to be reviewing that movie make it so is that cheesy should I not have done that I don't know fucking Star Trek line number one you can be my number one if you want you can fuck off. <laughs> We're going to be right back to review that movie right after this. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! I know what my first one's gonna be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for The ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Each of us has known the fear of being alone, lost in the darkness, faced with the unknown. But there is one fear shrouded in our past lost in our subconscious that should never have been forgotten a fear so deep it cuts to the bone the american legend returns to bring you back to the cutting edge of terror welcome to my world Renee Zellweger. Are you having fun here? <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The next generation. If looks could kill, he wouldn't need a chainsaw. 
And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for the second and final movie review of this part two, Baz the Leatherface. Up next, oh, this is the one that everyone is looking forward to. Since this was announced, everyone has literally been creaming their underwear in anticipation to find out what Baz makes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation from 1994. Also known under the title The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is equally as shite a name. Um, <laughs> this movie uh, is written and uh, directed by Kim Henkel. Now, Kim Henkel was involved with um, the original script and has been involved with pretty much every incarnation of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in some form or another. I think it's probably because he scripted the, the the actual characters and since Leatherface and that has carried through, I think he by default um, is, uh, is the author of all of them. But after, after three different versions, he finally decided that he was going to take a crack at this. Um, this movie stars... It feels like fucking... Like a rom-com from like the early 2000s. Rennie Zellweger. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Show, show me the money. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's in this. Robert Jacks. Tony... Parensky. Thank you. Joe Stevens. Lisa Marie Neumeyer. Uh, John Harrison. Tyler She Cohn. Um, James Gale. Chris Gilcore. Vince Brock. Other folks in the movie. Synopsis is slightly longer than the previous synopsis. This one is a group of teenagers get into a car crash in the Texas woods on prom night and then they wander into an old farmhouse that is home to Leatherface and his insane family of cannibalistic psychopaths. Now, we are uh, we are now technically, this will mark the halfway mark of this uh, franchise retrospective. After this, we will have one more show and three more movies to get through. And all three of those movies are far more modern than this one. Um, this is a weird, strange little oddity of a movie. I, I, I don't know what they were planning to do with this. I kind of feel like they would want to kick off another franchise run. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> I wonder why it didn't happen. There's only one person that can tell us why they think it didn't happen. But as you sat down to watch this movie today, you posted the cutest photo ever on Instagram of little uh. baby Matthew holding the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 4. <laughs> so cute. Unbelievably cute. Uh, hopefully he was um, removed from the room before you started watching it, though. Yeah, well, I actually had watched this um, last night. The, the, the DVD was lying about, and he was scooting about in his wee walker, and the next thing I turned around, and they had it in his hands. <laughs> so, no, he, well, I did... Uh, WhatsApp it to my wife, going like that. Me and Matthew are just about to watch a film, <laughs> and I got this ranting reply going, "Don't you dare let him be in the room if you're watching that." <laughs> Cam didn't hear it's a fucking joke. <laughs> Shut the door, hen. We're watching a film. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so get in the room, Matthew. Your father's watching a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Walker scurrying at the room because he knows it's no good. Um, right, <laughs> right. You, you sat down to watch this movie last night, and I did indeed. And you got through it. Hopefully, uh, you're going to tell us now, Baz. The anticipation is palpable. Uh, palpable. Palpatine. Palatable. 
palatable palates. <laughs> the anticipation's here. It's grown. It's heavy. It's on my shoulders. It's like the the anticipation is large. It's, <laughs> it's thick and veiny. Um, oh dear. What? How dare you, Buzz? Uh, let us know what you made of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Alright right, then. I know there's lots of humorous intros and they're, they're just fucked in the ass now, so I'm just going to start talking about the film. Um, My work here yeah. is done. I um, I actually attempted this film the night before last, uh, but didn't last very well. Um, so I rewatched it from the beginning last night, um, and I will admit I was quite tired by the end of this one, but I did get to the end of it. Um, but my notes do become slightly hazy for about the last ten minutes of it. Um, yeah, very so much like the writing of this movie, Baz, actually. Yes, yeah, that, that <laughs> is true. And a weird echo of reality. Um, yeah, the DVD case has got a bird and stockings on the front, so that's a good start. You know what I mean? Well, you would think. I mean, normally that ticks my number one box. Right there, tick. Big fucking tick. They fuck that in the ass as well. Um, we get the narrated textual beginning like we have in all of the films. Um, this one completely contradicts just basically everything that's ever been in any of the other ones. Um, not one of the family members was charged. Hold on a minute there. Just hold on. In the last one, they said one of them was charged. I, I, like I've said before, I'm not getting too hung up in this. You've, you've explained to me this thing's all over the fucking place. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Well, then told there's been an absence of five years, so it's now 1996. Although I personally think it looks like it was filmed in 1986. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of good-looking films out by 1996, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, more to the point, Rennie Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey are in this. McConaughey's. Uh, which is good, that, that's two actors I'm, I'm a big fan of. Uh, like both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Big McConaughey, I do, I do like him. Um, and I think I'm right in saying, Doug, you told me this was his second movie after Dazed and Confused. Yeah, that's so this that, one. That was a big screen breakthrough, which was a film... I loved, so I had high hopes for him in this. Yeah, he's. I think. I think he's like literally in terms of movies, actual movies. Um, this is his second movie, yeah. and up until recently, him and Renny Zellweger would not discuss this movie in any interview. <laughs> yeah, see, that kind of fucking bugs me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm pretty sure. They fucking shot their bolt when they found out they were getting leads in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Yeah. Okay. It may have taken a different path from the one they foresaw. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that Renee Hen, we've got you a lead. It's in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Fucking brilliant, Mr. Agent. Thanks very much. Tell them I'll be there on Monday. And there have been a similar conversation with Matthew McConaughey and his agent. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the funny thing... I'm that... paraphrasing them, by the way, folks. Don't, don't take it word for word that that's what was said, but I'm sure it was along those lines. I think she'd been she'd been at the public eye for a wee while as well, and she came back and people were remarking on maybe she'd had a botched face job or something, and people were saying that, ironically, she disappeared from public sight for a few years and came back looking like Leatherface, which I thought was unnecessarily cruel, but I did laugh at it. Um, and she has recently discussed it 
And she doesn't actually cast that much shade on it at all. And McConaughey pretty much is the same. McConaughey, like, appreciates the fact that he got a chance to make the movie. Neither one of them have, I believe, seen the movie. And I think this one was another one that got pretty heavily butchered by the, the producers and stuff. So it's not the original vision. I don't think we'll ever get to see that original vision. Very much like part three. Yeah, yeah. Um... The film opens with someone putting on some very red lipstick. We then see young Renee, or Jenny as she's called in the film, she's getting ready for prom. Mm -hmm. Right away I thought that wasn't her putting on that lipstick. It's kind of made to make you think it is, but I knew it wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> it then cuts immediately to the prom. Renee shouts on her mother about something, uh -huh. and then it just cuts to the prom. So when about, what, eight to nine seconds of this film starting, you know the editing is a fucking butcher job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Why have you got, like, four seconds of her getting changed and then shouting at her mum and then jumping to somebody else completely? <laughs> it, it, just right from there, I was like, oh, that's terrible editing. But anyway, the, the film does carry on down that road, as to be said. Um, at the prom, some wee bird called Heather is looking for some arsehole called Barry. Once again, <laughs> there's a prick in a film, and he's called Barry. <laughs> You've all heard my theories on this before. It's beginning to border on racist <laughs> against Barrys. Um... Yeah, so she's looking for Barry, which turns out to be her sort of boyfriend. She basically catches him fingering some other wee bird. Yeah. However, you would have to think that perhaps Barry is looking to get caught. He's maybe looking for a way out of this relationship. And oh. here's for why, Duncan. Oh, tell me. Right. Well, one, you're at the prom with your girlfriend and you're outside poking another female. <laughs> right. Poking her. But two, <laughs> and this is the fucking kicker, when your girlfriend is standing approximately four feet to your right, shouting your name, you might want to stop fingering the wee bird <laughs> and scatter. Don't remain knuckle deep in her until your girlfriend walks around the corner of the little brick pillar that you thought was hiding the two of you. Oh, dear. Yeah, anyway, Barry. Um, right, yeah, so it, she catches him, basically because he wanted to be caught. Mm. Um, she then races off in a car, which I think is his. But bizarrely, for a spurned girlfriend, she does decide to stop the car long enough to let him get in. Mm -hmm. And then they drive off. Lo and behold, about two seconds later, uh, Rennie's Elwigger or Jenny and her man, the hapless Sean, who again has hair very similar to the hapless Baz back in the mid-90s, uh, jump up out the back seat where you'd like to think they were fingering each other, but I don't think they were. Mm -hmm. Heather carries on driving, they hit another car, they inexplicably just drive on. Um they have an odd conversation about how not having sex can give you cancer. Well, it's really, this is Barry's chat up lines. Oh, yeah, this is, yeah. I um, mean, I thought I had some fucking shite part of it. <laughs> right. 
In fact, I did. And I'm going to tell you about it in about three seconds. Oh, amazing. The bold, the bold Barry here, his favourite one was, if you don't let me feel your tits, you probably get breast cancer. Yeah. Right. Now, I don't know if I've ever spoken about this on the show before. I don't, sit, I don't even think you've told me, so I, I'm looking forward to this. Drink, drink, drink. I've got a drink. I've got two drinks, actually. I've got a whiskey and a beer. So... Well, I'm going to have a wee bite mouth of my Thatchers because this, this story goes on for a bit. Oh, I can't wait. Like, do it, Baz. Do it hard. Do it when I was in school, I swallowed a key. <laughs> a Yale door key. <laughs> Not a tiny little locket key. Somebody's oh. actual fucking door key. My whiskey's coming up my nose. That's, that's the most boring part of this story. They <laughs> give me a fucking warning. <laughs> now, the question that's probably... Well, no, it's not even a question. An assumption will have been made by our listeners after hearing that regarding what age the young Baz was when he swallowed this key. Right? Oh, right, yeah, right. Come on, go for it. You may be surprised to find out I was in fifth year in the high school. <laughs> I was 16 years of age. Well, I might have been 15 because I was quite young from a year. I think I was 15 when I swallowed this oh, key. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, I remember I had to wait outside the school office for the, the deputy rector to come to drive me to the hospital because when my chemistry teacher finally accepted that I had swallowed a key and it wasn't my idiot friend arsing about trying to disrupt his class, he sent me down there. When the, when the deputy headmaster turned up, he just looked at me and he's like, for God's sake, Lo, even the fucking first years aren't this stupid. And then he drove me to the hospital, right? Now, I'm going to try and condense this story because it's really, really long. My mum was an auxiliary nurse at the hospital, the local hospital, right? Oh. So she wasn't a trained nurse, she was like a nursing assistant. Oh. My mum worked night shift at the weekends and her shift finished on a Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So uh, on a Monday, she'd be sleeping during the day while I was at school. The school have to phone my mother to tell her that I'm in hospital. My mother goes in there, so she's just woken up. Like, to her, this is the middle of the night. She wakes up. What, what's wrong with him? He swallowed a door key, Mrs. Lowe, right? My mother, understandably enough, assumes it's my door key, right? Which was her first mistake. However, what really panicked her was at that time, <laughs> I kept my door key on a Grolsch bottle top. <laughs> you know, with all the wire and all that. My mother thought I'd swallowed that. <laughs> My mother then turns up at the hospital where she works <laughs> in a nighty and a dressing gown. Because <laughs> she pretty much thinks they're having to give me a tracheotomy to cut this thing out of my throat. Oh, fucking hell. Right. Oh. I end up in the hospital for a week. A week? A week, because they wouldn't let me go until I had passed this thing. However, <laughs> because my body couldn't break it down in any kind of way, it took a week to come out. Oh, Jesus. No wonder you're 
No wonder your bills are fucked, by the way. Slimmy, you have no idea, because I'm pretty sure it fucking came out sideways. (laughs) My initial dietary plan was stodgy food to help push it through, so lots of kedgery. No, I tell no, I was initially on laxatives, so it was basically prunes with everything. Oh. And that wasn't working. There's a lot of stodgy food, so kedgery and rice with everything. None of that worked, and they basically said, well, you just need to hang about. They did. At one point, they thought it reached my bowel, and they gave me an enema. Oh, Jesus Christ. Right? They gave me an enema at my bedside, and I had to run down a corridor <laughs> to a toilet. Now... Here was my mother's second point of embarrassment. For some reason, at this particular point in my life, I thought it would be cool and quirky to wear a nightshirt. <coughs> right? Like an old-fashioned Willy Winky type number. Yeah. So, they give me the enema. They tell me it's very fast working. That wasn't a lie. Oh, past no. I felt the whoosh of the warm, soapy liquid enter my rectal cavity (laughs) and I involuntarily jump off the bed causing the little tube to pop out my sphincter and skate about all over the floor like a drunken snake and I, I remember the briefest of pauses and then I thought Oh, I can feel that work. <laughs> and I started to run. And about halfway down this corridor, I thought, I'm not going to fucking make this. <laughs> so I, I gathered up my nightshirt above my waist and hurtled semi-naked down the corridor with shit running down the backs of my legs. another two days <laughs> now here's when I tie back into this fucking movie the key did come out oh, he belonged to a friend of mine I can't breathe oh, oh, he belonged to a friend of mine called Greg oh, oh, Greg's parents owned a jewellery shop in the town and they had a lot of stock and so on in their house. They had big safes and all that in their house. Oh, I wanted to keep this key. It's not very often you get to keep something that's passed through your entire diet <laughs> track. Unless you like fishing your own shit out of a toilet. So, Greg's like, oh, I better speak to mom. They obviously didn't want me to keep the key. For security reasons, which was fair enough. So Greg's solution to this was to snap the key. So he snapped it off, and basically the, the bit with the teeth on it, if you like, the smaller bit he kept, and he gave me the kind of handle bit mm-hmm. um, to keep. And I kept that in my wallet for years. And after I left school, I started doing this thing when I was out in the pub, and I'd be drunk, and I'd be talking to a girl, and I'd be trying desperately to impress her because I wasn't the suave debonair patter merchant that you're familiar with Duncan I was quite shy when I was young I find that hard to believe so <laughs> I would fish about in my wallet and produce this little bit of the key 
No, it didn't look really like a key because the, the key part was missing. And I was like that. I need to show you something. And I would take this key out and I would hand it to them and go like, taste that. <laughs> and of course they were like, what are you talking about? Like, no, no, it's the weirdest thing. Just taste it, just to the tip of your tongue. And just as they touch this little piece of metal to their tongue, I go like, that came out my ass! <laughs> Surprisingly, that never got me a lot of action. Right, but I did spend quite a lot of time crawling about on pub floors trying to find this broken little bit of key. Because it would normally get launched either at me or just across the room in horror. Oh, you're such a fanny, honestly. Yeah, I know. This was round about the same time I used to tell everybody that my middle name was Manny. <laughs> Manny? Uh-huh. Oh, right, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, Barry Manny. Barry Manny. Yeah, because yeah. I, I thought it... Again, I thought that would work a charm with the ladies. It didn't. Uh, so, yeah. So, right. Back <laughs> to the other Barry. Um, yeah, I mean, you think his part's right. And I, well, I'm saying his part's right with the ladies. And I'm the guy that used to make them eat the bit key that I shy. <sighs> right, moving on. Um, oh, oh, I, oh my god. But honestly, <laughs> I, no, I How am I only hearing about this now? I don't know. Big Davy B knows that story. In fact, I do have. I, I've got. I've got an X-ray of it. I've got an x-ray where you can see the key because my mum worked at the hospital and she got one of the radiologists to sneak out one of the x-rays and give it to me. It's in my loft somewhere. I will dig it out and I'll get it up on uh, on the old Instagram for everybody to laugh at and point at. Um, Right, anyway, so basically they're roaring off in the car. They have this weird conversation about his crap lines to try and get sex. They end up getting diverted up a kind of deserted forest road. Um, and Barry's moaning about you can never fucking turn. They never teach you a three-point turn, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you need an off-ramp in order to turn your car and put it in the fucking other direction? A fat fucking nork. <laughs> um, I didn't like Barry, I'm going to say. I did not like him. Um, anyway, so they're driving about. Oh, now, it's weird because it was just a diversion. So you would think, oh, the other cars would follow them up there, but they don't. Although another car does appear out in the middle of nowhere, which they hit. Mm -hmm. Right, so this is now the second car that they've hit. We're in the space of about three minutes. The driver staggers out of this one, passes out. There's then a kind of lengthy conversation about getting help. So three of them, Jenny, Heather and Barry, go to get find a phone. The hapless Sean with the hair like mine stays with the unconscious driver. There's then an unintentional piece of slapstick <laughs> where uh, Fat Annoying Barry drops his flashlight, which obviously breaks it, right? Because every time you drop a torch, it just stops working. But Barry picks it up, shakes it, pushes the button, and it comes on. <laughs> he then hits it, and it goes off. <laughs> You can literally see him working it with his thumb as he's shaking it and hitting it. Right, oh, mate, just put the on button. The torch is working fine if you'd stop hitting it, you fucking idiot. Anyway, they find a mutilated dog corpse 
with a malfunctioning torch. Um, <laughs> they then come across this office, like a, like a car dealership office or something, mm-hmm. that's inexplicably, or it appeared to me initially to be inexplicably just in the middle of the woods. Like the way they wander up to one minute, they wander through the woods and then like, oh, we're saved, look, there's a wee fucking porta cabin thing. <laughs> But then, a couple of minutes later, they look out the window and they're actually in the middle of a town. Mm. It, it really does not work well at all. Um, in this office slash porta cabin thing, mm-hmm. there is a crazy woman who's actually in this film quite a lot and she's just called Crazy Woman throughout my notes, okay? So she's <laughs> the crazy Um She behaves very oddly. She flashes a passing car. Mm-hmm. Crack it's I don't think they were hers. I don't think they were hers, but crack good good body double anyway, do you know what I mean? Right eighties kinda of looking breasts. I thought anyway. Um back at the accident, Matthew McConaughey turns up uh, in a tow truck uh, and he's dressed like a shite ghostbuster. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of bionic leg brace. Yep, which actually frighteningly plays a huge part in this film. But there's no. I was going to say this is like (laughs) he's got the the bionic leg brace, which the the previous movie Leatherface had a a leg brace. So he had a leg brace. I don't think it was bionic though. Yeah, yeah, but what I mean is like it's a weird thing to insert in this movie and. Like we're we're not gonna carry over the leg brace to Leatherface, no, we'll give it to another character. <laughs> so yeah, another <laughs> character completely and we'll make it look like he's got a Ghostbusters backpack strapped to his arm. <laughs> um McConaughey turns up in this tow truck, gets out, goes over to look at the injured driver's like he's fucking dead, mate. Sean's like he's no, he's just unconscious. And then McConaughey snaps his neck because McConaughey's mad as fuck in this film. Yeah, Vilmer. I thought he, I thought he might have been one of like the good guys, but he's no, he's a cock. No. Um, Sean runs off. McConaughey drives after him in the pickup, right? And then I've just written here, Sean is very bad at running away. <laughs> <laughs> he's really bad. But you're literally in the middle of your woods, the middle of the woods on foot, and he's driving a tow truck, and you can't get away from. him. Mm-hmm. And basically McConaughey runs him down. And then you get this weird elongated scene at the end where he reverses over him about eight times. Don't think you really need to do that, Mr. McConaughey. I think he's probably dead. Just to make sure, Buzz. Possibly. Possibly. I hope you burn in hell! <laughs> that bastardised version of a line that he didn't deliver in another film that he was in. <laughs> I don't know why I shouted that. That's the side of. Right, let's let's now to to fulfil our slightly homoerotic part of the show, which we kicked off in the previous one. Who does it better? Is it McConaughey, or is it our good buddy Vigo? Who is more sexy as a redneck? Oh no, no, that that's interesting. Is I, I think I would have to go. We big Vigo. I'm the same man. Just because McConaughey has a level of dementedness that is uh, quite off-putting sexually. 
has to be said. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, if it's McConaughey and Vigo now, McConaughey wins. But back then, I don't know, Vigo looked more worldly. What's <laughs> <laughs> in the spear? Uh, <laughs> um... You know, really sorry, I think I've jumped ahead in my fucking notes. Fuck off, so Barry. So ran over him about 20 times. Yeah. Yeah, I was right, sorry, no, I just skipped over the next page. Not wrong. The others are sauntering through the woods. Two of them run off after a car, like they're rabid dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, Renee then gets left on her own. She gets attacked by a bin bag. She survives. <laughs> Well, there's, there's just so much of this nonsensical shite littered through this film. Oh, fucking hell. Like cinematic cow pats. Heather and Barry find a house. Lo and behold, it's the fucking mental cannibals house. Um, oh, right. This is where I gave up. Barry goes to look for inhabitants because nobody's answering the door. Heather has a wee seat on a porch swing. There's then a kind of pantomime villain-esque bit where Leatherface is behind her. Mm-hmm. And he keeps touching her hair and she keeps swatting her hair as if there's a fly annoying her. Like, he's behind you! <laughs> Fuck off, him. <laughs> she eventually does turn around. I think when he ejaculates down the back of her neck or something like that. Uh, but actually doesn't, he trips over a broom. Uh, on the other side of the house, Barry gets caught by a, a really angry little man with a shotgun. Um, Leatherface grabs Heather, drags her into the house. Um, this scene and the couple coming after it, are uh, they're quite reminiscent of the first movie. Yeah. And a tawdry kind of homage to it kind of thing. Uh, but when he grabs her, she's kicking and screaming like fucks. Very reminiscent to the kind of second kill in the first movie. Um, she escapes, initially locks herself in a room. Leatherface comes through the door. Um, initially, at this point, a bit like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Mm-hmm. However, however, for some reason... Not only did they decide to give Leatherface a mullet in this film, <laughs> but it's like a jerry curl. He looks like a cross between a werewolf and one of Eddie Murphy's characters in Coming to America. Just let your soul glow. That one. <laughs> Possibly with a slight dash of Michael Jackson from Bo Selector. <laughs> He doesn't look good, (laughs) it has to be said, Leatherface. Not that he normally does. (laughs) He just looks odd in this film. And that gets worse, as I'm sure you know. (laughs) I may have heard rumours. Yes. He locks Heather in the freezer eventually and then just goes a bit mental in the house. Um. Barry really cunningly manages to trick the shotgun-wielding idiot that he's met and gets into the house and then goes to look for Heather. Uh, Baby, I've written here he gets attacked and knocked out by Leatherface. I think I'm right in saying that's actually the end of Barry, isn't it? Yeah, he dies. 
uh, quite disappointing. So like we said, for the first kill in the movie. Uh-huh. Heather, however, manages to escape the freezer. Uh, and then Leatherface impales her on a meat hook, again like in the first film, but without any of the impact of yeah. that impaling scene in the first movie. Mostly just because Heather does not look like she's in a lot of pain at all. You know, I mean, she looks like she's maybe cracked her neck slightly. <laughs> maybe pulled a wee muscle there or something. It needs to go and get fucked. This film needs to go and get fucked. Um, that's where I stopped the first night. When I returned to the second night, basically Rainey's Elwiger gets picked up by Matthew McConaughey in a tow truck. Unfortunately, they don't get buck naked and fuck each other till they pass out. <laughs> uh, but he does show her Sean and the car crash kids who are basically hanging from the tow rig now. The dialogue at this point when she's in the front of his truck is fucking bizarre. Yeah. It's just mental. Um, I've no examples of it. I've just written here mental. Uh, he then throws her out the truck and starts chasing her like Sean. She's a bit better at running away than Sean is, though. Mm-hmm. She hides in the woods, he drives off. Lo and behold, Leatherface appears out of nowhere and starts chasing her with his chainsaw. So she runs to the house, of course she does. Um, tries to lock him out. She uh, He breaks through the door. She manages to pull off one of the classic Texas Chainsaw Massacre jumping out the attic window moves. Yeah. We then get a bit of a rooftop chase scene. And then she climbs up an aerial, which was an odd choice. <laughs> yep. So it be said, it's a bit like the end of The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> but it's pointing up the way. And there's less lightsabers. <laughs> and telepathy and Millennium Falcons. Other than that, it's the fucking exact same. <laughs> She, she jumps from the, uh, the, the the aerial that she's scaled onto like a phone wire and tries to shimmy to safety. But uh, Leatherface cuts the line and she falls into a kind of greenhouse. There's a bit more chasing. She runs into the crazy lady's porter cabin office from earlier on. Mm-hmm. Turns out she's in cahoots with them all along. I bet she's you at, never guessed that was going to happen. Oh, I saw, I saw it coming a mile off, mate. I'm very well versed in horror films now. All right. Um, the she's <laughs> boning McConaughey. Who could blame her? Um, she calls the shotgun wielding idiot, who I think is E W or something. That's right. Uh, uh, w E. Yeah. yeah. Um, he turns up, beats Rennie's Zellweger with a cattle prod, and locks on the trunk. There's then a scene at a pizza shop that's frankly so weird I can't even be bothered talking about it. <laughs> uh, after the pizza shop madness, crazy lady finds Heather lying in the middle of the road. There's another scene <laughs> with a tree branch that's weirder than the pizza shop scene, so we're not going there either. Yeah. She gets to the house with the pizza and Jenny... Um, they torture her for a wee bit. Leatherface turns up with Heather. McConaughey bites her in the face. Mm-hmm. Then I've written here that editing in this film is beyond shite. 
and it really truly is it's some of the worst editing I've ever seen I know you mentioned earlier on there that this was kind of butchered by the producers oh, or the, whoever hack the fuck this, this is nowhere apparently nowhere near what the original short movie was like at all they totally cut it in well, a it, direction shouldn't have been because if you wrote this film like this you'd be in jail by now <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Lady tells Rennie Zellweger that McConaughey works basically for the Illuminati, which explains why he has Illuminati written on the side of his truck. Mm-hmm. Although in fairness, Matthew McConaughey, I'm pretty sure people in the Illuminati don't paint the word Illuminati on the side of their car. Or maybe they do, Baz, because they make you Kick. want to think that they wouldn't do it, thus keeping their identity secret. Duncan. <laughs> With my background in the arcane arts, Duncan, and the old secret society, sir. Uh huh. Trust me. Trust me. Dude, listen, I have a Masonic do I have symbol. It on the side, do I have it written on the side of my car? No. Enough said. I have what? a Masonic tattoo on my arm, which makes people think I'm a Mason. I'm like, listen, would a Mason have a Masonic symbol tattooed on their arm. They're like, oh, right, I see, see, yeah, you totally wouldn't. And what you don't know, Baz, what you wouldn't, what what no one knows, Baz, is I'm the head chief of the Masons. That's right, that's the official title, head chief. I know how it goes. People walk in and go, waka waka. Yeah, they come in the door and I go, how? That's that's, that's how it works, isn't it? That's not. Believe it or not, Duncan, there is a fraternal organisation in America called the Improved Order of Red Men that is based on Native American traditions, they probably do do exactly what you just said. That is, well, see, that is because I am their chief. <laughs> this is, yeah, the, I'm, right, I'm, I'm I've already team. told, I've already told too much, Baz, let's, let's move on. Well, let's move on, let's move on. <laughs> anyway, my next line basically asks a question. Uh-oh, of me or the movie? Of the movie, but you feel free to answer. Oh, dear. Why does Leatherface now look like Mrs. Slocum from Are You Being Served? <laughs> and I'm talking the original Mrs. Slocum, not that fucking remake for last year. <laughs> there was about a the remake lady. last year? Was it not last year, the year before or so? There is a remake a couple of years ago anyway. Why would you remake that? Now, who knows? Same reason they remade Dad's Army. There was a remake of Dad's Army? Yes. Ah, just last year though. Fucking it. Where have I been? I don't know. You're too busy watching horror movies. That's probably what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, I don't know. There's there's weird inconsistencies with this movie out with the bizarre edit and then the fact that it doesn't really tie into the other ones. Um, it's the fact yeah, is that it, the is it character the fact names that... have changed as well. So it's no longer Sawyer. The surname in this one is Slaughter, which I don't understand. Um, no. Yeah, and like this, like when you think about it, W E, um, so his name would be W E Slaughter. Um, are we Slaughter. not? Are we not right in saying that the character who took the fall in the previous movie was a W E? Wasn't that? Wasn't that the name that they put at the start? I think it was W E Sawyer took the fall for all the things and he was the one that was blamed as being Leatherface. So I don't know. It's like they've tried to tie that bit in as well. I d- I don't know, for someone that actually wrote the original movie, this guy is just fucking, fucking with everything. Yeah, and then you get fucked. And Vilmar, I don't actually think, is part of the family. I think he's like 
maybe the boyfriend of, well his boyfriend to Darla, and I'm assuming Darla's part of the family, although that's not really explained. It really is a hodgepodge of nonsense. Yeah, I had it the other way around, I had it he was the member of the family and she wasn't. Does it really make any difference? Does it fuck? Basically, Leatherface now looks like a 70-year-old woman that works in the department store and is obsessed with her P-word. Um, there's a crazy scene in the kitchen. McConaughey and his bird have a bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rennie Zellweger gets her hands on a shotgun. <laughs> McConaughey basically keeps trying to get her to shoot him. Yep. And he puts the barrel in his mouth and all that. Um, and she pulls the trigger and, of course, it's empty. And then he grabs the gun and fires it and the second barrel was loaded as if to say, look how fucking mental I am. Uh, I have no idea what's going on in this film at this point. (laughs) And then I've written something. Now, this is probably going to offend some people, Uh right? Uh I apologise. I'm purely saying this for comedy value. Oh, no. Right? Leatherface is now a tranny. Oh, no. I I know that word's not very... De rigueur oh, these days. No. Right. I don't want to call him transvestite leather face oh, or no. cross dressing leather face. So I'm just going to call him tranny leather face. No. Sorry if I offend you. No, man. We'd gotten so far into our recordings together as a podcast before you had to go away and fuck up the ass. Yep. 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 So you can just pull that SoundCloud account, McLeish, and you'd no longer pay for it. So I'm about to get fucking banned. I I would say that I think it's quite amusing that uh, transvestite Leatherface, as I will be calling him, yeah, doesn't look remotely as sexy as transvestite Leatherface on the front cover. Yeah, I know. Basically, because I'm pretty sure that is a woman on the front cover and not supposed to be Leatherface. Yeah, I, I was I was genuinely expecting. Did you see Crazy Lady's name's Darla? Yes. Oh, that's interesting, right? I was expecting Darla to come out dressed like this. Yeah. I was wildly disappointed, Duncan. Yeah. Wildly it's, disappointed, it's sir. It's like Le- Leatherface has like a Tinder profile where he's put up a really sexy photo of himself and not the real version, which is about 200 yeah. pounds heavier. Yeah. He's using it to catfish folk. Yeah. Anyway, Crazy Darla and McConaughey hate fuck each other in the kitchen. Best, best way to fuck. It really is. They really fucking go at it. I like that a lot. Uh, And then, of course, it cuts to the traditional fucking final table scene that we get in a lot of the movies. Every single movie has a table scene. awesome in the first one and has been utter dog shite and all the rest. Basically, though, as well as the family, there's some random dead people. Right? Uh And then Grandpa who's been genetically re-engineered to look like the dad from the Greasy Strangler. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks like 50 years younger than he has done in any of the previous films. (laughs) What the fuck? You just referenced the Greasy Strangler, I love you. I know, but he does look like him, doesn't he? He totally does. Um, Matthew McConaughey then basically says that Leatherface wants Renee's face to wear. Set Heather on fire, but just a wee bit. Yeah. Uh, the door goes. It's some foreign guy that appears to be running the show, and this, this is just oh god. This must be the bit that blew your mind. Yeah, there's so many things wrong with this film. This is a big one, though. Yeah, I think this. I think 
I did have to rewind these bits a couple of times because I was kind of starting to get really tired. I think this guy is the Illuminati that the big Matthew McConaughey actually works for. It's, yeah, he's... Uh, it kind of leads you down the road, oh, McConaughey's mental and he's been telling this lassie that he works for the Illuminati and that, and then the big freaky twist is, oh, God, he actually has worked for the, the Illuminati, which apparently is just some German businessman. Yes, Mr. Rothman. Yeah. Um. The... Sorry, I've just got a Facebook alert from Vanessa McHenry, who I'm really worried has somehow heard me call Leatherface a tranny. <laughs> She'll send me a message that. telling me that I'm fucking dead meat. <laughs> um, yeah, alright, yeah, so... Um, Jenny obviously doesn't realise this. She thinks it's somebody that can help her, save her kind of thing. He then... Um, he goes mental at McConaughey and says... The whole point of you lot is to make sure that these people feel horror. And then he licks Jenny's face for a bit, and then he opens his shirt. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm looking at there. Can you explain to me? I think there are it's... rings, and there appears to be a nipple, but it's at navel level. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know. It's just weird. I think it's to kind of highlight he's just as maybe inbred or just as freaky as them. You know, I wondered if it was like a meat suit. It's, it's kind of, I don't think it's a meat suit per se, but I, I think this is, to, this is to tie him in, so to speak, like, but this is bigger than just this family. Um, really a, a, a billion better ways to do it. Oh god, yeah, yeah, this is like so stupidly placed because this character really has zero impact just now. Like, we introduce, it feels like this big reveal, but then nothing happens at all. Yeah. Because um, he basically goes into another room, and then Matthew McConaughey crushes Heather's head with his bionic leg, and then gets really angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I've just written, I've no fucking clue what's going on. Um, they start attacking Rennie's Elwigger. Oh, this bit's terrible. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I've not looked at my notes since I watched this last night. <laughs> Um, basically she grabs the remote control for his leg right because apparently apparently Uh Matthew McConaughey has enough background in engineering to build himself a bionic leg but not enough to give it some form of control that doesn't require a TV remote yeah so basically, I think every time you try and walk, you have to push little buttons. It's a bit like playing Daily Thompson's Decathlon in the Spectrum. <laughs> 48k. It's how you make your leg go. You did not just reference Daily really Thompson's did. Decathlon on this show. I really did. Holy the, re- fuck. the record of joysticks. Oh my god, there is literally like 2% of our audience that will know what you're on about with that. And I have yep. to be within that 2% because that game... Yep, you and me, big man. That <laughs> game caused me to throw my controller off a fucking wall so many times. <laughs> Most frustrating thing ever developed to play, ever. And it was huge as well. It was mm-hmm. absolutely huge. I bet Grant Henderson's pissing himself at that but actually. He will love that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, right, so anyway, you need a TV remote to work his leg. So she grabs it and starts trying to work his leg. And then he grabs a spare one and they have this, like, fake lightsaber battle but with remote controls 
in her leg. Uh-huh. So bad. <laughs> she escapes. I don't even care at this point. <laughs> Fanny Leatherface runs after her. Looking like a big ugly woman. <laughs> and McConaughey's just running about going mental. Right, oh fuck me, I forgot about this bit as well. Right, next day there's a crop dusting plane flying oh, about. Yeah, this oh yes, the greatest ender in the it's history not, of horror. It's not the worst thing that we've seen in this movie, right? There's an old couple drinking Bloody Marys and a Winnebago. Right, they probably shouldn't be driving, but other than that, okay. They stop to save Jenny. Leatherface is chasing her. She jumps into the Winnebago. Leatherface shortly after turns up in McConaughey's truck. And it's a bit like that first scene in the second TCM. Yep. You know, like when the the, the college students are going to cross the bridge and they're waving the fucking chainsaws at them. The Winnebago crashes... Then his Elwigger runs away. Matthew McConaughey starts chasing her with his bionic legs, so he must be working the buttons on his Wii remote control really fast at this point. Yeah. And then the crop duster flies down and knocks him in the face. <laughs> yeah, a plane flies down <laughs> and delivers like a punch with its wing. A token! Fuck me. She, she then runs over and gets in a stretch limo. And it's the German Illuminati pervert. Well, I think we all seen that coming, Rennie Zellweger. Do you know Mr. what I mean? Rothman. He drops her at the hospital. She's questioned by the police. We then see a woman on a gurney. Uh-huh. And I think we're supposed to know who it is. Yep. Do we? Yeah. Who is it? It's a survivor it? of the first movie. Who died, apparently, but didn't die. What? They retcon that as well. It's the girl that escapes at the end of the first film. Yes. Fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. I, yeah. It's the same actress, I think, is it not? I don't know. I don't even care. It oh. ends up with Tracky Leatherface running about waving his chainsaw. Now, weirdly, Tracky Leatherface looks less effeminate than the original Leatherface does. Uh-huh. That no weird. You kind of? I have no idea what this film is supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah, by the way, um, it's the same actress. She plays Patient on Gurney, a.k.a. Anonymous Person. But yeah, we're we're led to believe it's her. So she has survived all along. That's just annoyed me more than (laughs) last night did. This film is awful, man. A huge part of it, I think, has to come down to the editing and production decisions that were made. It's clearly, you can tell, nobody would have written this film. It doesn't make sense. Dude, I think you're I think you're giving it too much credit at all. I think the whole thing's a hot mess. I think uh, even yeah. with good editing, I think the story's just pish. Um, it, it feels like, and I, I don't want to step on your toes too much because obviously I'll, I'll kick in after it, but... Like you've touched on a couple of things in the way you've described it as being glaring issues. This is nineteen ninety four, and this movie feels like it, it could have come out in eighty six. Yeah, yeah. It's so much an eighties movie. It's unbelievable, but not in a good way. It's yeah, it's no. I mean, the most prom, of the ones you know that came out in the eighties, and this is what fucking bugs me. This is your four films in. Yep. 
the vast majority of them were actually still all right by four films in. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Friday certainly was. Friday was still all right by the fourth one. What one was uh, the Dream Warriors? Was that three? Yeah, the fourth. The fourth one. What, in sorry. The, the fourth one in Nightmare on Elm Street, where the dog pisses the fire. Right, okay, right. Well, that has its issues in fairness. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But most of them haven't gone completely mental by the fourth film. Although, in fairness, a lot of them reached the fourth film about fifteen years before this movie uh, franchise reached its fourth film. Yeah. There's just right, there's shocking editing. There's so many pointless plot devices that I can't even begin to list them. Uh-huh. Um, why why make Leatherface a transvestite? There, there's no, there, there was a weird effeminate quality to that character in the original film, which I thought added even more to his character. Mm. And it's like, well, let's just make him a fucking ladyboy. Do you know what I mean? Let's not bother. And why do you make him look like Mrs. Slocum first? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the like, who the fuck is the woman supposed to be in the cover of this film? Because I've been waiting ninety minutes to crack one off. <laughs> and is it supposed to be Leatherface? Because, like you say, that does not look like Leatherface. Of course, even not. Leatherface is dressed as a lady. Um, I did notice in the end credits. And you mentioned this earlier on. There's a bit in the end credits where it came up as Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And I did think that's an even worse name than the one you gave it. Yeah. Um, this film's horrendous. Actually, Zellweger and even um, McConaughey are actually quite good in it. McConaughey does play the mental lunatic bit fairly well in I it. I think McConaughey's fucking great in this movie. I think but very much it's like... It's just so senseless. Th- because the film makes no sense, yeah. you can't say McConaughey was really good in that. I, th- I think very much like Vigo in the previous movie, I think they're like the strongest parts of the movie. I think him going crazy and being so out there and so kind of mental hick is is perfect for this movie. I think it totally works for this movie because he, he genuinely does feel malevolent and maniacal. But once again, this is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where Leatherface is the main antagonist of the movie supposed to be he's the one once again on the front cover even though it's clearly uh <laughs> it's clearly been airbrushed um but you know once again we come down to the fact that Leatherface is the bit bit character of this this movie it focuses very very heavily on the family and of all the incarnations of the family even with McConaughey in it this is the least interesting one I mean, we're talking about 1994 here. Let me let me just tell you. Let me count down the top ten movies, the highest grossing movies of 1994, and you will be surprised to find out, Baz, that Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't feature in it. Um, <laughs> number ten, Clear and Present Danger. Number nine, Interview with the Vampire. Number eight, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Number seven, Dumb and Dumber. Number six, The Flintstones movie. Number five, Speed. Number four, The Mask. Number three, True Lies. Number two, Forrest Gump. And number one, The Lion King. That's what came out in 1994. So we... Do you know I've seen nine out of the ten of them? There you go, eh? Look at you. What one have you not seen? True Lies. You've never... Oh, fuck the Schwarzenegger. Right, I get it. I get it. You should watch it though. It's very, very good. And um, Jamie Lee is fucking smoking in that movie. 
Anyway, right, <laughs> bringing it back. Um, yeah, it's that's the quality movies we're getting. You know, like much better, more legitimate. If you move the comedies out, but harder hitting kind of action paced thriller movies. And then this feels like a weird throwback to a decade that you know movies are trying to avoid doing. So early into the nineties, um, it's a fucking hot mess. I think it's funny as fuck. I I think. It's hilarious. Um, it's nowhere near as good as, and this will get me hate mail. It's nowhere near as funny good as Halloween Resurrection, which the, the Buster Bust makes me fucking a bit piss myself laughing. But um, I think McConaughey's really good in it. I think you can see why McConaughey and Zellinger went off to have big careers um, because there's talent there. The rest of this cast have done nothing. And rightly so. Yeah, actually, if you look on the the wiki page for it, the only the only two cast members with hyperlinks for their names <laughs> are Renny Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's it's a really 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 bad movie. It's like a it's like a yeah. terrible 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 movie and. Yeah, I think you can. I think you're right. I think you can levy a lot of it at how it's edited, which well, me and you could edit this movie better. With no yes. knowledge, we could edit this movie better. It genuinely feels like no one gave a fuck when they were doing it. They just fucked around. Um, but in saying that, I don't think we can totally levy it there. I think the script is shite. I think the character development is awful. I don't, who are these characters? Why are they behaving like this? This Barry guy is the most douchiest character of all time. Mm. You know what I mean? It just, it's ridiculous. Um, and th- th- all the things that you want to see in this sort of movie are removed. There is no real like proper horror, terror or gore um, in this movie. And I know the first movie didn't have any gore really in it at all. But we're in a... We're, you know, we're now... Almost three decades removed. In fact, we are three, two decades, sorry, removed from that movie. So we're 20 years on. You know, and it's within two years we're going to get a movie like Seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can push the boat out. Scream comes out two years after this. We can get some blood. We can get some, you know... Go, this is this is why I keep saying that... Uh, this is, underlies the point I keep making about Scream being such an important movie. Because this is basically what passed for slasher horror before Scream. Yeah. And it really it really goes to show how fucking ahead of the curve Wes Craven was with rebooting things because this is what was coming out. This is franchise horror at this point. And none of them, none of any of the three franchises that we've already covered as part of our franchise, Baz V Horror, have an entry as bad as this. Um... No, I'd be hard pushed to pick one that's yeah. as genuinely as bad. Like a lot of the films that I didn't like, I kind of get why some people do like them. I, I honestly don't think anybody can come around and say they like this film. I know you say you think you find it funny, but I find it funny. It's not a good movie at all. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny to me. Uh, <clears throat> it's funny to me because of all the things that are bad about it. So, like, bionic legs that are controlled by remote controls. Matthew McConaughey just fucking screaming, Vilmar, Vilmar, get that bitch! Um, 
And then you haven't even touched on the most annoying character of all in this movie, which is Leatherface himself, who only makes this weird fucking whiny high pitched scream noise. He doesn't, mm-hmm. talk, he doesn't even attempt to talk in this movie. It's just this kind of noise all the way through the movie. There's that one point, like very much kind of recalling uh, <laughs> uh, Halloween Resurrection, where. Um, Buster Bus tells Michael Myers to basically fuck off, and Michael Myers fucks off. Yeah. There's a bit where Rennie Zellweger basically tells Leatherface to shut the fuck up, and Leatherface shuts the fuck up. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do with this movie at all. It's a fucking complete cluster. It's an omni shambles, Baz. An omni. Worryingly, do you think that the crazy French bastards that made Martyrs got their idea from this film? How so? With the crazy Illuminati, you know, wanting that wanting these people tortured to, to perceive true horror. No, although thank the, God. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I think it's commonplace, like especially in the two thousands, it's commonplace to try and bring in sort of you know these group of elites. If you watch something like Hostel. This idea of, you know, the rich can do whatever they want as a, as like as groups and things. I think Martyrs falls into this one. There's no ex- there is no development of that story at all in this about, you know, it's a kind of throwaway line about the Illuminati and then the fact that a guy shows up and who is mm-hmm. he? Because he, yeah. he looks like a senator of some sort. Um, and there's no development of that at all. And his little monologue at the end of this movie doesn't shed any light on anything. Um, yeah. Vilmar's dispatching in this movie is fucking awful. Um, it's like one of the the most bizarre deaths in any horror movie is to be hit in the head with a crop duster. Um, yeah, I, 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 it's just a fucking terrible movie. That um, was awful. It's, it's, yeah, it is, and I'm not. I mean, I would sit down and watch Halloween Six before I watch this movie again, and I hate Halloween Six. So there you go. What one was Six again? Oh, six is the one where right at the very it was the one that tried to explain the cult of thorn. Oh God! Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right at the end, we we, we see an, a shot of the outside of the the kind of hospital building with Donny P going no because the tattoos transferred on him. Fucking pile of shite movie. <laughs> um, I would much rather I'd much rather watch that movie than than watch this movie, um, which I think sums up my feelings for. Yeah, I, I, my hang on my overwhelming like memory of it was by the end of it thinking that Texas Chainsaw Massacre three was really good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, they did. Characters in that were really good. Yeah, really well written. All of a sudden, that yeah. movie that movie starts going up and up in your estimations. It I, really, really does. I remember thinking that Hugo Mortensen was amazing in that movie because yeah. he is compared to the fucking idiots in this one. Yep, it's just I don't know, I don't know. It's like I try to say. I think sometimes, Baz, you think I'm trying to sway you when, when I'm saying things, and I'm to an extent, but I genuinely, I'm not yanking your chain when I said that, and I come back to it again by the fourth movie in Hellraiser. We're dealing with quality compared to this. We're dealing with quality on a completely different level. Um, not that I'm trying to ever sway you to, to 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 check out the Hellraiser franchise, but when I tell when I said to you, like 
it'd be interesting to do, but just be warned, the quality drops off real fucking fast. I wasn't mm -hmm. joking, because essentially, yeah, no, no. out of the first four movies we've seen here, you love one of them. Right, only the first one's any good. Yeah, and that has not happened in any other franchise we've discussed. No, no, no. So I, normally, I normally quite enjoy the second movies. Yeah. Because, like, particularly like Halloween, Halloween, it really was an extension of the first film. Yeah. You know what I mean? With Friday, you get the introduction of Jason yeah. as your main protagonist kind of thing. And I can't really remember much about Freddy, but I'm, I'm sure I, I enjoyed it probably as much as I did the first one. But yeah, no, I mean, the, this goes from iconic fucking indie masterpiece to dog shite, <laughs> to mental dog shite, to they all need to go and get fucked. <laughs> so, so, uh, bring it Yeah, that's no a Netflix grading. <laughs> <laughs> I would happily have that replace the thumb up and thumb down system we have now. Um, but yeah, I mean, this this is like I said when we're breaking them up into chapters. We have the first two movies, both directed by Toby Hooper. Um, then we have these ones, which I dubbed kind of the Wonder Years because they don't have a fucking clue what they're doing with a character or anything to do with it. Um, it kind of destroys the franchise because we don't get any more after this one for for quite a while. Um, Funnily enough, the one we do get um, is the one that essentially comes about a decade after, comes out in 2003, and kicks off the remake boom of of like the the iconic characters in in the 2000. Um, so when Texas Chainsaw Massacre the remake comes along in 2003 and does huge business, I mean, becomes a massive fucking movie. Um, we are instantly thrust into just this cycle of remakes which which are churned out so fucking quick where and this is the introduction of Platinum Dunes so Michael Bay's production company um, who start handling this one ostensibly the, the Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street movies uh, Amityville uh, remake as well all come from uh, this one studio and this is the one that kind of green lights them all so it will be featured on our next episode with three movies yet to discuss within this one and the oldest one is is some 13 years old for us to discuss still a bit of, it's still an age like um, but then we also have in the next episode Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning which comes out three years later and um, yeah then we, we get to discuss a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D which came out in 2013, so just a couple of years ago. Uh, Baz, you're great for this one. A+, plus, fucking hilarious. Thought it was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, once again, the Baz killing it. Um, unfortunately, we did have to wade through some more shite on this show, but I've got a sneaky suspicion you're going to dig at least one or two of the movies in the next show. I don't like any of them. Uh, you'll be surprised to hear. Uh, and I think we'll probably fall back into the camp we fall in with every single one of these remake episodes where you're like, no, no, this is really well done. I'm like, no, I hate yeah. it. <laughs> I, I, can, I can see it already happening. But, Sounds familiar. Yeah, it kind of does. But we need to close out this show first. So ladies and gents, we're going to take our final break when we come back. Myself and the big bad Baz closing out this part two of Baz v. Leatherface. Le 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 Baz v. Leatherface. Um, <laughs> 
because that's how Leatherface talks. And we'll be right back right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. You've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been Baz v Leatherface Part 2. We looked at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, aka Leatherface and TCM for the next generation. This uh, is continuing the trend of uh, of the lack of quality in these movies and and. I feel sorry for Baz that we're putting him through this, but then again, Baz did vote for it, so yeah, I don't feel sorry for you at all. Baz, that's another two down, another chapter closed, three movies and one show left to go. How are you feeling? I'm feeling all right. Like, like you said, if you might look with a dunk now, I'm quite interested. I'm looking forward to the next show. Um, traditionally, these kind of modern remakes or reboots have sat quite well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested to hear that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the first of them. I didn't realise that. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next episode. Um, I feel I suffered through some shite in this episode in particular. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. Yay! That's good. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear, Baz, because that's what we do. We kills it. We kills it <laughs> on this show. We're bringing the hard-hitting good stuff for our listeners. Um, another franchise. Uh, this one. This one's done we will have done the big four yeah and yeah. that means that every other franchise we do after this will not be in the big four which means the quality can go bad right from the start yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that should be fun um yeah so uh, some updates at the end of this episode for the peeps out there um i posted on facebook the day of this recording um, that there's going to be a couple of changes, a couple of things moving about the place um, as pertains to the website, cleaning up some of the Facebook and um, extending the availability of the podcast to some avenues that we haven't quite done yet. This technically is the first episode which will, from the point of being released to the point of being downloadable um, on TuneIn which is pretty cool. It's the first time I've used that. Now, I know that not everyone has an Apple device like me and the Baz. Some of them don't like Apple. Some of them think that Apple is a corrupt group of cunts. Um, Fucking, so is everybody. This is, yeah, as if Android is much better. As if the folks in Google ain't making money. Um, I love that argument. But anyway, there's a lot of Android users out there. And in the past, I've been asked by listeners... Are there other ways to check out the show? We obviously recommend that you use things like Stitcher Smart Radio or SoundCloud. But um, TuneIn is a, a really good way of doing things. And you can either listen to it directly on the web or you can listen to it by downloading the TuneIn app, which allows you access to stream the show as well. And that's available on Android. So TuneIn, the podcast under the stairs, is now available there. And I'm kind of hoping by the time this episode drops, we should also be on Google Play. Um, which I've been meaning to do for fucking ages uh, but have not done so we should be available there so once again those have Google phones or Android users should be able to check us out on Google Play so it's expanding the sphere of downloadability of the podcast under the stairs to the masses Baz giving the people what they want I'd I'd like Stitcher Duncan but I'm sure other folk have fucking differing views (laughs) 
We were right on that Stitcher right at the start, so they've been with us forever, so you've got to give them props for that, although technically they don't do anything, I just feed them a feed, which they put out there, so I'm giving them too much credit, I'm taking it back, it's all me baby, it's all me. So yeah, we're, we're, we're out there as well. Um, I am currently, once again, much to Bazzi's dismay, pushing uh, information for a live show, um, I'm now oh, speaking to, to one or two venues. Uh, waiting to hear back um, about you know what the availability is and how how things would work and could they accommodate us? Um, so uh, just to let people out there know that I am not letting that go. I'm still pushing that one. And as and when I find out things, I will let you know. Obviously, I won't let the Baz know because he doesn't need to know until the day of recording. And then I put that <laughs> no, I'm all joking. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that's coming back up as well. I have a couple of guest appearances booked. I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of the Psycho Semantic Cast with our good buddy Darren Wilson. I'm going to be discussing a little movie called Starship Trippers. Can't fucking wait. I love that movie so much. Um, and I'm also, I've been invited back on a podcast too. I have said many times is the is one of the original forefathers of my interest in horror podcasting. Uh, I will be making my third and final appearance ever before the show finishes up on the Skeleton Crew. And I can't really go into detail what I'm doing there because they've still in them shit, but um, I'm very much looking forward to that one. Uh, Skeleton Crew is legitimately one of my favourite horror podcasts. So, in fact, I get to go out there, hang with Alex, Dan and Jamie, the original three that were on that show when I first appeared. Um, is pretty fucking cool. So I'll be doing that as well. So that's an upcoming appearance. As well as that, I'm going to be on June's version uh, or edition of Devour the Podcast, talking about, and Baz will get a laugh out of this, Rob Zombie's 31. Oh, seriously? Yeah, because they fucking hate me. <laughs> of all the movies I could talk about, they picked a movie I fucking hate. Um, so yeah, I'll be discussing 31 as well. So yeah, a couple of guest appearances coming up. I will post them as and when they drop. I've once again delayed Chronicle, just because I'm trying to get podcasts under the stairs all set up. Chronicle will be coming in the next two weeks, and will run for seven weeks, and then that season finishes, so keep your eyes peeled for that. So that's all that shit out of the way. Now we can bring it back to what's important, and that is ways that you can check out the show. Like I said, you can check us out and tune in, but most importantly, Apple Podcasts is the place to check out the show. If you have checked us out on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. It means that you get access to the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of our podcasts. It takes two seconds to rate us on Apple Podcasts. You click the wee star buttons and if it's five stars, for example, like all our reviews have been, then that benefits the show greatly. But you know what benefits us even more? It's taking an extra two minutes and going down to that little review box and writing in a little review there. Me and Baz love reading your thoughts. We post them on our Facebook group page and they're a great way to not only, I mean, you give us stars, we get up the iTunes ratings, people see how many stars we've got, but it makes more sense that they see what the reviews are because that's what sways them. Um, they might be looking for something serious, something less sexy then they don't want to listen to this show, Baz, because this show is fun and super sexy. It is indeed. Yeah, so leave us some love over there and leave us a little review. It takes seconds, it's free, means the world to us. Check us out on Stitcher, that's Bazzy's favourite, and on the SoundClouds. Visit our website, which should hopefully be 
kind of fresh looking by the time you go on to it that's teapotscast.com visit our fantastic Facebook group page there is a poll running on what next franchise I should do with a series of different guests it looks like because of Bazzi's sabotage um, it'll be Hellraiser because it's so far fucking ahead it's unbelievable at the moment that'll be fun and I did not sabotage this I nearly voted yeah. And I voted once and didn't change it. Come on now, give me some slack. Yeah, I think you voted because you thought if I do it, I'll never come back up on the show for you. Well, I, I totally did, but I am I am but one mere vote. <laughs> My vengeance will be swift and hard, Baz. Swift and hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, so, so vote on that. You have uh, about three days left to vote on it by the time this episode drops and then we will pick a winner and they will be programmed in as well. Plus, in the next week, you will get the reveal of the Teapot's summer top 10 episodes as well because I just keep giving myself extra work, Buzz. Yep. Never enough work. Um, the <laughs> twin prongs of social media sexiness, the, 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 the twin pillars... Of, of everything that is great about this show is admined by the Baz. Baz, let us know what they are and how people can check them out. Yep, you can check us out on both Twitter and Instagram and the handle for both of them is at TeaputsCast. Um, my tweeting has been somewhat lax recently. Um, it's been a full-time dad for the past four weeks. It's been a fucking tiring nightmare. To be quite truthful, um, I've tried to keep going with the old Instagram a wee bit more kind of regular, but my my Twitter has uh, has swan dived a little bit, but I'm trying to bring it back. But it was uh, hit me up on the Twitter because I will respond if people come to me kind of things. So by all means, if you check us out either on Instagram or on Twitter, please give us drop us a wee shout out, um, and I will I will get back to you. Very nice, very nice. Right, ladies and gents, we will return. To close out this segment in the next month, um, you will hear us finish off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which will be another franchise gone. Another one falls prey to the mighty, mighty Baz. Um, and if that wasn't enough, check out the tons of content, which will be coming your way very, very soon on the podcast under the stairs. Thank you so much for checking out these shows, making the previous one one of the quickest, fastest, and... Uh, most prominent franchise episodes we've ever done for Baz v Horror. I mean, it really did break some records that we've set and that's you guys doing that. We can't thank you enough for it. Baz, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Yep, uh, once again, it's an absolute blast, folks, and I will speak to you all very soon on the last part of our Texas Chainsaw Massacre retrospective. Ooh, very nice, and from me, this is Duncan McLeish, saying to you ladies and gentlemen wherever you are and whatever you're up to in this big bad world whatever the time zone is please take care of yourselves we will speak to you all in the fullness of time and i'll be back in one short week's time carrying on with more tea putts but until then this is duncan mcleish broadcasting live from under the stairs and i'm signing off (laughs) 